Need to order a replacement pair of Manties for yours that you've misplaced? Order all the great stuff that you want from Amazon.com. Get the best deals on all the stuff you need, including undergarments, and help support Rob Has a Podcast whenever you start your Amazon shopping with our link, robhaswebsite.com slash Amazon, or for our friends in Canada, robhaswebsite.com slash Amazon CA. Coming to you live from the RHAP studio, it's Rob Has a Podcast. And now, here's a man who has never been invited to go skinny dipping either, Rob Sesternino. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our big Survivor podcast here after episode two of Survivor Worlds Apart. And we are back here tonight, and we have a really fun show coming up in this episode. I'm going to be speaking with Chaos Cass and hearing what she has to say about this young season of Survivor, this young, fun season of Survivor so far. And then I'm going to be taking your voicemails with my good friend Jessica Lease here on the podcast today. So we've got a lot here to do. Um, of course, this is a big week here on Rob is a Podcast. Uh, we are nominated for not one but two podcast awards, and uh, we do appreciate your daily votes for Rob is a Podcast at podcastawards.com. Uh, for Best Entertainment Podcast and the uh, People's Choice Podcast of the Year. Uh, That would be uh, fantastic uh, to have your support on that. Also, uh, getting ready for next week's big trip to New York for the live know-it-all show that I know a lot of people are coming out for uh, on Wednesday night in Manhattan at the Gotham Comedy Club. Of course, uh, my partner at the Gotham Comedy Club, Stephen Fishback, and I, we got together for the know-it-alls. And then the interview I did with Vince is also available on robhaswebsite.com. Interesting interview with Vince this morning. I felt like Vince did the thing in the exit interview where you really are making it a point to you want to explain the narrative of what's going on, which I never uh, like that as much as somebody who's just, you know, it's like a press conference. I'm asking questions and you're really uh, giving answers. I felt like uh, Vince did the thing where it's sort of like almost like you do the thing where you sort of interview yourself. Um, but that being said, I did feel like we did get some insight into his game and into what was going on. And I felt like the most interesting thing that he talked about was the fact that uh, he had said and told people that it was a hidden immunity idol was the reason why they needed to split the vote and vote for Nina. So it's an interesting listen if you want to check that out on robhasawebsite.com. All right, everybody. We're very excited today because we have somebody who is doing their first episode recap with us, but I think it's going to be one that I've been looking forward to, and it should be a lot of fun. Here she is. She's a woman who knows a thing or two about playing in the three-tribe format. Here she is. It's Chaos Cass McEwen. Did I say that right, Cass? Oh, Gosh, the name McQuillan, McQuillan. McQuillan, okay. So I'm already off to a bad start. Chaos has ensued. Yes, I, I think you should just go by Chaos Cast. I feel like that rolls off the tongue a lot more. Yeah, there's some people in my town that just walk by me and go, Chaos! Yeah. So uh, it's interesting. Yeah, well, Cass, very excited to be back talking with you. Of course, you know, we did, didn't do an episode recap in San Juan del Sur, but we had a, a very nice chat, I thought, 
uh, when you came to my uh, my old place, uh, we sat down. We had a nice talk. You brought me a Tony T-shirt. That's right. I gave you my, uh, was it the King of the Idols or something? <laughs> yes. Sure. Yes. Actually, in my move, I actually found the one that Tony sent me. So I actually have two now. I have the Tony with the hot air balloons t-shirt that he signed for my daughter. So I feel pretty privileged to have that one. What was the Tony with the hot air balloons? Exactly. I mean, <laughs> it's a, that cartoon character of Tony uh, with a bunch of hot air balloons behind him. And because I associate him with hot air, when he asked what shirt I wanted, I said, oh my gosh, please, the hot air balloons. Because it makes no sense <laughs> unless... He's admitting to his inflated ego and propensity for, you know, spewing hot air. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, well, I'd love to hear more about Tony as we go through all of this. Is it just for show, though, Cass? Do you and Tony actually are, are friendly now? I actually don't. I haven't talked to Tony. Uh, well, gosh, it's been like a year, probably, you know, since our finale, really. That's it. No correspondence, not pen pals or anything. I did not get a Valentine. A Valentine. Well, who sends Valentines? I know. Uh, we don't really keep in touch. I I never gave him my phone number. I have his phone number, <laughs> but I heard he would text people incessantly um, when our season was airing. So I avoided that trap. Yeah. Well, he, he's probably much more low key now because uh, with the new baby and everything and you know, uh, we saw him a little bit with the Mr. Survivor stuff, but I think for the most part, I think he mostly keeps to himself now. I think his wife whipped him into shape with you know, <laughs> two under two. You know how hectic it is. One. Uh, yes. So, one under two. And then she's also got Tony, which is really like. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Cass, Cass, come on. Um, all right. Yeah. Let, let's get into this a little bit. First, uh, before we jump in, how's everything going in, in your world? Life is good. I'm back to normal. You know, you have that year of post-survivor uh, freakishness. That PTSD. You go the PTSD and all that. But now I'm I'm back, you know, working and doing my thing. So life is very good here. Okay. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because I feel like in a lot of ways, I feel like that Survivor said after Survivor San Juan del Sur, they said, look, Survivor Kagiyan that was it. We need to go back and recreate the magic of Survivor Kagiyan. And I feel like in a lot of ways, that's what they tried to do uh, this season with the three tribes format. And no, it's not brains versus beauty versus brawn. It's white collar versus blue collar versus no collar. Uh, do you see it the same way? I think that I think they're very similar themes and the cast. I mean, they have a great cast this season. And I think Kagiyan had a great cast. So yeah, you know, whatever it takes for them to get the three tribe format and some fans on there that are willing to play and, and some characters, you know, I think it's going to be a good season. Just like most of the three tribe seasons are pretty good. Yeah, most of them. Most of them cast. Um, yeah. So uh, let's just uh, go into this episode from uh, this past week where we saw it was the no collar tribe ended up being uh, the one to go home. And Vince was the latest player to be eliminated um, were you a Vince fan, Cass? Well, you know, Vince was at my casting finals in L.A. Really? I had the pleasure of, I mean, I was in the older group, so I was not, you know, privy to hanging out or seeing him very often. But 
the few times I did, I, I checked my notes on him and I said, obvious first boot, uh, highly annoying. This man is driving me crazy just sitting here looking around. So I, going into the season with just those notes, because he had the feather in his hair at casting, he had the, uh, whatever those toe shoes are called. Yeah. And he was just really one of those people that everyone was kind of rolling their eyes around him. So I had a, a suspicion that he would go early. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was not team Vince. I feel a little bad for him because some people have been a little bit harsh with him online uh, over his wishing that he had Joey's girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, know? you know, I think you're right that Vince, I talked to him this morning, did seem very sensitive and did seem like he was not really thrilled with the way that the show portrayed him. Um, and, you know, I, well, I thought he was good TV. Um, I can understand why he maybe did not like the way he came across on the show. Yeah. You know, we all get edited. Um, it doesn't mean that's not who we are and they didn't get it on camera, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's hard to see that and to see how other people saw us. And hopefully he remembers it's, it's his part in the story of this season. You know, it's yeah. nothing personal. It's just, they need their characters. I enjoyed him as a character. I mean, I really wish that Jen would have gone home. Uh, Why? I don't know. I it just kind of some of the comments she had last night uh, reminded me a little of remember when Courtney was all rude at the beginning of China? I think yes. it was. You know, that's a good point. I think she reminds me a lot of Courtney. That's what I have in my notes that uh, she reminds me of kind of of Courtney. Yeah. But, but with a stoner voice. <laughs> She's like, dude, I don't know what's wrong with Vince. Yeah. No. Good. Well, Cass, this is the second time you've mentioned your notes. I, I want to know about uh, your note taking. Uh, and, and we'll go back to Jen and all of these other people. But tell me about the notes that you took in casting. You had a notebook and you were just like profiling everybody that you saw? I did. I had um, a notebook and then I, I made up names for everyone. And I had extensive notes. You know, because you kind of see them and you'll see them in the halls or you don't really have close contact, but you see them in passing. And I, I love to be judgmental. So uh, I would sit there and write notes and I had names and backstories for everyone. And I know in casting, they found it quite interesting when I would give the whole life story of someone when they asked about them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I kept those notes. And then I don't usually take notes on an episode, but knowing I was, you know, coming to your illustrious show. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, I better rewatch the show. Uh, because when you watch a show with nudity with a seven year old, there are a lot of questions. Distractions. Yeah. Distractions. So, uh, <laughs> like, why is she only wearing her bra? Yeah. That's not how people do it. You know? So, yeah. Uh, so I rewatched it this morning. Well, just going back to your notes uh, through casting and, you know, I think that, you know, you're not alone in, you know, when you go through this process of, you know, you go out there and you're in a hotel and you're sort of like looking at the other people that are there and you can definitely tell who the other people who are in the mix for casting or it's like, okay, this person is up for the same spot as me. Are they not taking this person or this person? Uh, that person is, is so perfect. They're definitely going to take that person. Um, but I think it's interesting that you wrote all that stuff down. Was there anybody from your season that you wrote anything that was uh, particularly insightful or totally wrong about? Well, 
I did peg Sarah as an MMA type, like a mixed martial arts person, which I guess she was. Yeah. Um, I pegged Tony pretty well because he was always carrying a banana when I would see him and like fondling it and flipping it around uh, just as this nervous thing. And then possibly being an alpha male that felt, felt the need to be attached to a phallic symbol at all times. <laughs> um, Wait, did, was the, what was the phallic symbol on the island? The Tyler Perry idol? Well, we had all these little moments. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, so yeah, just his personality type. Uh, Spencer was in my casting and he had some really nice shoes on. Yeah. And I actually called him Doogie Hauser throughout. Casting. <laughs> um, and let's see, Trish was there and I pegged her for, you know, just the, the other older woman. There was another older woman. Uh, there, well, there were two others. And then at the the last minute, there was another one that I thought would make it, but she actually came out of uh, that final interview crying. So I thought, well, oh no, no, yeah. yeah. And well, half our cast was in my ca- casting, so I had a lot of notes on a lot of people. Yeah. So um, besides yeah. Vince, was there anybody else that didn't end up making Survivor twenty eight, but you saw them on Survivor twenty nine or thirty? No, not that I recall, but I also didn't remember that I had been in casting with Jeff because There were so many like pretty blonde girls. Yeah. Um, that they all became a blur. Uh, gosh, me is Sierra on this season from Colorado. No, she's not. Yeah. No, I, I... there was a really tall, uh, girl on, uh, during my casting who kind of looked like her, but I think had darker hair. Uh, but very long legged and tall. Okay. So she could have been her, but I don't think it was. All right. Well, let's uh, talk about this no collar tribe and what ultimately ended up happening because I felt like they were set up, uh, you know, pretty well for a vote last night where it looked like at first they were going to be going after Nina, but then they decided to split the vote. But in my conversation with Vince today, he brought up that he sort of started telling people that Nina had a fake idol or Nina had a real idol, which was not an an idol at all. Um, And that's what caused this other group to split their vote. And then that opened the door for him to try to get him and Nina and will to put their votes on Jen and potentially uh, take her out. So that cast, that's pretty chaotic, right? That's pretty in-depth thinking from Vince. Um, You know, if he, did that. And it certainly kind of makes the story make sense that they would split the vote and think she had an idol. Cause we didn't as a viewer see why, why anyone would think she has an idol. Yeah. Didn't make if any anything, sense. Yeah. If anything, it just looked like she was on her own a lot because of her hearing issues. Yes. Now, do you, are you a person that says, you know, hey, if there's any doubt, we should be splitting the vote? Or do you feel like sometimes that just invites more problems than just going with a more straightforward approach? I think a vote split, you really need to know the people you're splitting with. And I don't think six days in, you can know them. And yeah. how at the first tribal council, I don't think I would ever split a vote. Just because you don't know who you're playing with and... And if you haven't been to tribal, you don't know what's going to go down. Yeah. uh, I would never recommend a first vote, you know, vote split. I think once you get past the merge and people have individual idols and you know, they're out there a lot, you might consider it, but I don't know. I, I kind of, you know me, I play with the high risk level. 
So splitting a vote really would have to benefit me to do it. Me personally. Now, Will was the swing vote last night. And I know that's a thing that you know a thing or two about. Did you like the way that he swung from being the person that was going to be uh, with Nina and Vince to the group of with Joe and with Jen and with Haley? I understand why he did it because he's pretty out of shape and he didn't do that well in the challenge. Um, so he had to know he was going to be going next if they got Nina. But by flipping over to the young people and getting rid of a strong guy and then keeping Nina as the next easy fodder, it really makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even if he goes from a, a number three or two position to a number four, chances are, uh, he's going to make the merge or a swap and be able to readjust by doing this where if he didn't do what he did and they lost another challenge, they'd get rid of Nina and then him Mm -hmm. or vice versa. So I can see why he did it. I think it was a good move for him personally. And he's got a buffer now in Nina because nobody seems to like her and it's an easy next boot for them. Cass, what's the right way to play this in the six-person group? I, like, I know from your season at uh, Luzon, you guys were not particularly worried about, you know, what do we have to do to keep the tribe strong and vote out a guy like Garrett early on? Is, is that the right way to go, to just vote out whoever early on? Or should the teams be playing it where you need to keep these stronger people around and be more like what we saw in the first week when the white collar tribe went to tribal council was like, okay, well we have a choice between so and Joaquin, but let's vote out. So, cause we want to keep Joaquin around. And he was a big part of them winning the challenge this week. Yeah. Well on my, you know, I wanted to keep the, the tribe strong on Luzon. I wanted to get rid of Jatia initially. And it was actually Garrett and company that decided to get rid of a good swimmer, you know, and, and possibly a better challenge performer. So when they chose that tact, I decided to make them stick with it, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of you guys are willing to sacrifice the tribe early on. Personally, I'd rather have a strong tribe and win challenges and not have to be a tribal. Yeah. Early on, I mean, if you can go into a swap or a merge with more numbers, you're in better shape. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I I really do feel like in the three-person or the three-tribe version of the game, I feel like just as long as you could just avoid the tribal council for the first like nine days or 12 days, you're good. But then you have, you know, the intentional Matt Singh. And we we talk about like when you guys in your season, you guys were just you, Tosh and Spencer, and all you guys made it to uh, further in the game than you would have predicted being that there was only three of you at the time there was a tribe swap. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's that as well. But what are the odds that three people from your tribe are going to get swapped and emerge? Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, likewise, look at Braun. They all stayed together except Sarah and that core group pretty well stayed together, you know, with, with Wu and Trish and Tony. So I think if you've got a tight group that you're working well with, it's better to try to stay strong and keep some people along for fodder if you need to mat sing yourselves. But I wouldn't recommend that's a dangerous play, especially for me being, you know, the challenge beast that I am. 
So uh, would you recommend that maybe is the right move align with the stronger players in the in the first few days of, of these six person tribes? Because, um, you know, you don't necessarily want to have your whole tribe intact by the time you get to the merge. Like we saw with the case of I think it was Tan Dang back in Survivor Philippines, where all six of those players from that one, uh, you know, one six person tribe, they all made it to the merge and then they were like a train wreck. Now that might have to do with the individual players, but it does seem like having a smaller, tighter group is the way to go. Do you, what do you think? Did you not even worry about strength? Like I, it's just like, I feel like we just uh, keep like chasing our tails on this question. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, it really depends. There's different kind of strength. I mean, you've got your physical strength, but then you've got the people you trust. So, yeah, it it would just really depend who you click with initially. Um, Vince, I might have kept around too because he's strong and he he's not playing very well socially. So, I yeah, I I thought they should get rid of Jen last night. Yeah. Now. Do you like this uh, clicky alliance with uh, Jen and Haley and Joe? Do you uh, feel like they could potentially do well in this game? Or do you feel like they're just uh, too wrapped up in each other to be able to bring other people into the fold? I think uh, if anyone's going to survive that little trio, it'll be Haley. Haley. Because at least she's showing some compassion and empathy and attempting to speak to the other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the three of them, I mean, if they get a swap and they get broken apart, they're kind of screwed. Because um, they're all young and kind of fit. Hmm. I don't particularly like the little click, but I mean, it, it's just par for the course, right? Um, it does happen on Survivor. Um, did anybody ever attempt to go skinny dipping in Survivor Kagiyan? Just me. Just you. That was your move. I'm just kidding. No, oh. I I don't recall anyone skinny dipping. We were we were rather prudish in comparison to uh, the raw dogging and free spirited group we have this season. Yeah, it, it's funny that sometimes you know you get a bunch of people that it never comes up, and then you have a bunch of people where uh, that is coming up. Um, and we had in two different tribes where we had uh, in the no-collar tribe where you would expect it, the girls are going uh, skinny dipping. But then also uh, in the white-collar group with uh, Max and Shireen both deciding to get naked uh, at the same time. Cass, Stephen and I talked about this last night, and uh, neither of us thought that this was a particularly great strategic thing to be doing. Do you have any strong thoughts about the idea of, hey, I'm on Survivor, I want to get naked, even if it might turn off some of my tribe mates? Um, I'm pretty sure if I got naked, it would turn off a lot of tribe mates. So I wouldn't do it. I feel like Max, he's getting too wrapped up in being on Survivor and trying to be memorable. Uh, Kind of like I think Dan is too at this point, you know, trying to be characters rather than trying to play the game. Yeah. I, I think Max really overplayed it and there was no need for him to get naked. And I think it's a reflection of how he's really behaving socially within the group that everyone is kind of like enough, you know, and he did it several times. Um, So seems a little clueless to me on his part. Shireen, I I (laughs) just like, (laughs) 
uh, I was impressed, you know, and there's some logic behind it. She has a secret scene that I watched that said, you know, it was getting to be close to dark and she didn't want her underwear to get wet. So she dropped trowel and frightened Tyler and did the dishes in her, you know, nudie booty. Well, halfway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's odd. I mean, uh, it is a little bit of like a, you know, uh, Winnie the Pooh look of the top and no bottom. This, this whole episode was a Victoria's Secret fail. I mean, it was like really bad, like naked and afraid gone bad. <laughs> so I, I don't understand. I did a lot of dishes out there uh, in Kagiyan and I could do them without getting my butt wet. Yeah. Know? Or how about this? Just leave the dishes till morning. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it's also, I think, kind of showing what's going on in that tribe with the men not doing the dishes, but standing around watching a half naked woman do it. Well, I don't think that they were like gawking at her like, uh, like, oh, my God, like they were, you know, in it for the show. It, it seems like if anything, Tyler was like uncomfortable. I think Joaquin said, I'm not even looking at this. Yeah, uh, Tyler <laughs> was visibly uh, upset. You yeah. Know, like, <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That I think we've picked on Max and Shireen, but what Tyler was doing isn't great either. Because I feel like in Survivor, you don't want to do anything to sort of you know alienate or separate yourself from the group. And if you have two people on your tribe that are both getting naked, you know I think it's okay to not get naked yourself if you're not comfortable with it. But I mean, the way that he was sort of like averting his eyes and, and like showing that he was uncomfortable with it, like that's not great you know to approach it that way either yeah i think you're right there but i don't think he could help himself i think he's somewhat prudish and he was just like whoa wait a minute there is a bottomless persian woman standing before me cleaning a pot yeah and i don't think his brain could actually really grasp what was going on and make sense of it probably like half of america last night yeah so you know, you can't fault him for that. I, I think this white collar tribe, I mean, I probably shouldn't comment on people's social game, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of clueless people on there. All right. Well, let's talk about the dynamics of this tribe, because I thought that after the first vote last week, we were talking about Joaquin. And last week on the podcast, we were debating whether or not he was uh, the Joaquin dead or if he was going to be Joaquin on Sunshine. And I thought that he was going to be more walking dead, but we talked about how in this group of six, where if you're number five on the totem pole, as you were in Survivor Kagiyan, that's actually not a terrible spot to be in, especially when there's pairs that are forming. Um, and it seemed as though, uh, especially in the case of what was going on with you in the Brains Tribe back in your season where you had, you know, Garrett and Spencer were a pair and then also Tasha and Jatia were a pair, you know, that person who's fifth in the totem pole. Yeah. You're fifth in the pecking order, but you're actually in a decent spot because both sides are probably going to be trying to get your vote. And so do you see Joaquin as somebody who potentially is a swing vote? If the white collar tribe goes back to tribal council. I actually think that this, the nudity helped Joaquin bond with Tyler. Yeah, I agree. They were both kind of like, this is not something I want to see. Both about Max and Shireen. 
And then uh, Carolyn was not too happy about the nudity either. So I actually think Joaquin is not going to be a swing vote. I think he and Tyler are kind of going to have a secret bond here. And because he and Tyler hook up and Tyler knows Carolyn has the idol, Joaquin will get in on that. And Caroline's going to want Shireen on the tribe. I noticed Shireen was during the challenge said like, go mama or something. So she's already kind of taken on the mother role of the tribe. So I actually think Max would be on that tribe based on his nudity. Um, he would be the next person vulnerable. Wow. Do you understand my train of thought there? No, I definitely do. I, and I think that you're right about Tyler and Carolyn. It seems like that they're definitely tight. And also Shireen uh, is tight. So I think that that could be the real battleground where we're going to see it's Shireen versus Tyler for the you know vote of Carolyn. Um, and if Carolyn insists like, hey, it needs to be Max. And if Carolyn and Max aren't that tight, um, that definitely could be a, a way that Max is vulnerable here early on. And, and also just going back to the idea of how much strength do you need early on, you know, with each vote that passes in these first few days, the individual strength of the players on your on your six person tribe is less important than it is in the preceding vote, because you know, you're going to have a tribe swap and just as easily Max could end up on a different tribe than you're on. So he could be somebody that you're competing against very soon. Well, also with Max, I think some of the people there know who he is in terms of being that's professor of survivor. Yeah. Um, so if he's out there running around naked and, and doing these things, people, he's reminding people that he knows this game when he's referencing hatch and, you know, you don't want to do that out there. You don't want to be the survivor professor who, yeah. you know, it's a good point. Hey, look at me. I'm naked. Just like Richard. Yeah. They called him hatch 2.0. That's not a name you want to be, have people calling you when you're out there on survivor. Yeah. I mean, I got a bad vibe for Max last night. Also in the challenge, Max was choking. Yeah. He, he was nervous. You could see he was, he had that Spencer frazzle, you know, um, <laughs> And I think he's overthought this whole thing and overshot being this character and his tribe smart enough to get it. Yeah. And I don't think he was bad in the challenge, but I feel like Jeff did make a one comment that was like, Max taking his time or something like that. Right. Yeah. And then I think with the ropes and the, the ball, he was kind of shaky. Yeah. And Shireen did great in the challenge made up time. Yes. So I, I kind of, for, I don't know. I got this vibe last night that Joaquin might be taking Max's place and Joaquin is not game savvy. So I would rather have him as my number four mm -hmm. than the professor of survivor. You know, it's also interesting because last week when I talked to so, and I did the exit interview with her, she talked about how you can't trust Max. She says that when she knew she was going to go home, she said, and one of the things she did was she tried to really like let people know that uh, they couldn't trust Max. So I wonder if that's also potentially a factor where Tyler might feel like, hey, uh, Joaquin is somebody who I'm better off keeping in my group as opposed to somebody like Max. Yeah, I think you settle down in your thinking after your first tribal and you really start to see that, you know, gosh, I got to get my head in this game. So yeah, if I were Carolyn and Tyler, I would also want to break up Shireen and Max because I think Shireen had that that confessional where she said 
Max was the only one who gets her or, you know, they're on the same wavelength. Yeah. But that's not good when there's three other people not on your wavelength. So you better jump in with the three people rather than, you know. So I don't really see Joaquin is walking on sunshine. Okay. You say, well, he's he used to think, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the lyrics. Can you, you, you know it, Cass? Walking on sunshine and don't it feel good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I used I used to think maybe you wanted me out, but now uh, now I'm sure. Is that how it goes? Oh, is that? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, have you met Max? I have met Max. Yes. And what's your impression of Max? I think he's a super fan. Uh, I, I like what I liked him when I met him. Uh, I don't know if you know he kind of came to a reindeer event I was at. No, I didn't know this. Oh, you didn't know this? No. You know, my, my family has this reindeer business. So at Christmas, we go to all these functions and we did a public event down in Malibu. And it was, I think I put it out on, you know, Facebook or social media or whatever. And Max showed up. Uh, and ironically, Mark Burnett was there as well. Oh, wow. Wow. And what, was, well, was Mark Burnett, uh, what was he in the market for reindeer? He was with his kids. It's at that country mart, you know, where it's all hoity-toity. They have like the million-dollar Santa Claus show up and stuff. Ah. So, um, I mean, we run into a lot of celebrities in that that business. So I didn't approach Mark. What was interesting to me was Max was talking to my husband when I walked over. Uh, so he obviously knew what my husband looked like and who he was. Um, and then I guess Mark Burnett walked by. And Max accosted him because I guess Max had never met Mark Burnett. Yeah. And was like, Mark Burnett, it's me. I'm on your next season. I mean, mind you, this is before the cast has come out. Yes. This time. So, and my husband said, man, that guy's really weird. I can't believe he, you know, kind of fangirled over Mark Burnett like that. <laughs> yeah. That's not a term my husband knows. And is it true that's where Mark Burnett got the idea for his Max Dawson-like beard that Mark Burnett has right now? Well, Mark Burnett had that at the finale last year. Okay. I'm pretty sure his inspiration was Jesus. Basically. <laughs> Things that are going on, right? That's possible. That's possible. Uh, Mark Burnett is very holy these days. Yeah, he's kind of become the new Michael Landon. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got a lot going on, uh, Mark Burnett. This I almost, is like I a was, crazy second chapter for Mark Burnett. I'm expecting him to reboot Little House on the Prairie and become uh, Pa. You know, I don't know if that's your generation, but uh, I know of it. But yeah, it's not. Uh, it's probably a, a little before my time. The Little House on the Prairie, and and less and less is becoming uh, before my time, Cass. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I did meet Max, and then when I was talking to Max at the event there, Mark Burnett walked away by again, and he just nodded at me, and I nodded at him. Yeah. And you know, when you're around celebrities and they're with their family, they don't want you bugging them. Right. They're out with their kids, you know, and we really respect that. And Max actually called him over and was like, hey, Mark, do you know her? This is Cass. And so Mark came up and shook my hand, uh, you know, and ignored Max, which was hilarious. But I felt really uncomfortable with that situation, which yeah. gave me some insight into his social skills. Yep. And if I'm critiquing your social skills, they must be. <laughs> right? Yes. Well, that was a weird little moment um, there. 
And yeah. I, I've also, I'll just admit, I've also met Shireen. No, where'd you uh, meet Shireen? In Sacramento at a cheesecake factory. Oh. So, um. You guys were both eating at a cheesecake factory and she said hi to you? She, uh, wanted to meet me. Wow. And Look at you, Cass. Met. I know. And I met her, uh, and, you know, we had drinks and appetizers and I told her, I really don't want any spoilers. So one reason I want, didn't want to do the first episode was because I knew, I actually knew who the first boot was. Got but it. First, from this point on, I'm unspoiled because I said, no, I really, I kind of like watching the show as a fan. You yeah. know? Like, oh, so you met Shireen, at, you actually met up with Shireen, not like you guys were both at a Cheesecake Factory. We actually met up. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Before her name even came out. Yes. So, um, and I really like her. She's great. And she had pants on. She was wearing pants. <laughs> I don't know if she had her underwear on. Uh, okay. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and um, so, yeah, those it's weird. Once you've been on the show, I didn't, I have never thought to contact a prior contestant. So to have contestants contact me is kind of weird, but uh, you know, it's all good. So nobody reached out to you from Survivor 29 during the time uh, in between when your season was on and this season? No, nobody came to my birthday party. (laughs) Nobody? Not even? Did you write a letter to Missy and Baylor? No, but you know, my husband's birthday is next Friday. Maybe I could see if they'd like to come out to Tehachapi. Yeah, they'll they'll just show up. He would be like, who? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, that's that's what it would be like if they showed up at Mark Burnett's birthday party also. Yeah, Max will probably be there. <laughs> yes. Roger that. Yeah. Um and so uh I wanted to ask you also, Cass, about this twist that they did last week. Because again, very similar to what they did in Survivor Kagion, the idea of that you get a either a bag of beans. And, uh, and the clue to the hidden immunity idol, like a small bag of beans and the clue to the hidden immunity idol or a bigger bag of beans. Um, did you, were you impressed or, and did you like how anybody handled that last week? Well, the obvious choice would be to take the big bag of beans. Um, cause the little bag of beans, I mean, it was like Jack and the beanstalk size. Like there's one magic bean in there. Yeah. What you can possibly tell anyone. Yes. To compensate for that. <laughs> Now, in your season, of course, uh, Garrett had a similar opportunity uh, in your camp, and he chose to look for the hidden immunity idol, and uh, he found it before you guys got there, but I I believe you've said before it was not very convincing what he tried to tell you guys. Well, he told us that there was no decision. He didn't even tell us it was uh, neutral or, you know... (laughs) Yeah, neutral box. Truth or or dare or whatever the heck it was. Yeah. Uh, Truth or deceiver neutral. He just said, "What well, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, you really don't know the show because we just were given the twist and then you were whisked away. You have to come up with something. Yes. So he, yeah, he should have been teamed up with the, the white collars there. So as somebody who's been through this, do you recommend to all future Survivor players, whatever the temptation is, don't take it and just bring back whatever's best for the tribe? Yeah. I mean... Because people will see through whatever, you know, cockamamie story you come up with. I think, yeah, at this point, it's happened so many times that if you don't take the big bag of whatever or the advantage for the group, 
you're going to get screwed. But how do you get around what happened to Mike and Dan, where they came back and they told the truth and then there were people that didn't believe them? Well, that, yeah. But it doesn't seem to have phased anyone. Well, it seems like it didn't do Mike and Dan too many favors in that blue collar tribe. Uh, And that's probably a good way to get into talking about them because I really felt like it was obvious that Mike and Dan were going to pair up before the season started just from looking at the bios. But what I thought was that, okay, they're going to, those two are together and then they'll start bringing people over to them. But if anything, it seems like the other four people are almost united against them at this point. Yeah. I kind of had high hopes for this Dan Mike duo just on the the pregame press because they're always got their arms around each other and they seem like the buddy kind of guys. But uh, it looks like Lindsay, it really despises Dan. I mean, she's <laughs> absolutely disgusted by him and his, you know, mantis, his mantis, his banana hammock, his mentioning of raw dogging, all of that. <laughs> but, but what was funny on my rewatch in my notes here, right before the first commercial break, they showed Dan like cackling, like ah, ah, right after Lindsay has a little confessional where she says she can't wait to see him go home and then they flash to him and he's like "Ah." (laughs) so i don't know if he's gonna get the better of her i'm trying to pay attention to editing now yeah that's interesting and and, uh it's those little things that that i notice and it was a cut to just him laughing like maybe he gets the last laugh hmm do you think that Dan is somebody that could do well? Because he's had not such a great start to this game. And I really thought that based on, you know, watching the editing and following the editing like I like to do, um, I thought from that first beat of the show, like, okay, Dan's gone home tonight. That's what this episode's about. I think Dan's our modern Rupert. Modern Rupert? Why? Because he wears a skirt? Well, it's, yeah, his uh, skirt. And then just, Really kind of, I think he's trying to become the modern Rupert. Let me rephrase that. Like really playing to the common fan. Because okay. people, uh, people love Rupert, right? That's just kind of this simple, big, uh, who's that guy in Harry Potter who's all big? Dumbledore. This, yeah. This big, and that's, I think somebody called him that on the show. Yeah, last week. So, yeah. I mean, I I always saw Rupert as Dumbledore too. So this is like... Rupert 2.0. We've got Hatch 2.0. We've got all these really bad knockoffs this season. Who is Cast 2.0? Cast 2.0? Hmm. Is there really going to be one of those? <laughs> Does anybody come out there and say, I'm going to be the next Cass? I, I have heard that people have mentioned me a lot in casting. Yeah. I don't know in what context. Well, I think it's a good thing to say in casting because I think that, you know, you have a lot of people who come out there and are going to be the mom, but like are going to be sort of like a mom who is like, you know, uh, a, you know, just like a sweet mom who is going to be. And and these are the people that they always kind of get killed uh, in that final tribal council. But I feel like they're also kind of boring TV. And that's not what you're getting when you say I'm going to be like a Cass. Well, yeah, if you say you're going to be like Cass, you better have men speaking llama pretty soon. Yeah. Um, did you follow that whole uh, <laughs> that whole debacle with the escaped llama last week? You know, a lot of people were uh, tagging me on various Internet 
things with it. I did not follow the chase. Uh, I have better things to do. <laughs> I, I have I have chased me a llama in my time. Yes, my my parents have llamas as well. Yes, so, uh, I did have a bad experience with a llama that liked to spit at me all the time. Yes, should they have brought you in in that situation as the llama whisperer? Well, probably Tony should have been in. I mean, he's got the language down. Yes. Oh, man, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I didn't really keep track of it. I think I, I was in court last week a lot and busy. So I whenever that was going on. Okay. Do you think that Rodney is somebody who I definitely underestimated in the pregame assessment, but do you think that maybe could, could Rodney be a little bit Tony-esque? Definitely. I definitely see some Tony in him. Uh, and I'm just wondering, yeah, about his position with the girls. We haven't really seen him. We've seen now in the preview and a little bit on this episode where he's not appreciating the slave driver, uh, Mike, who literally woke up and was like, get water. Like that was the first, he woke up. Did you see that scene? Yes. Laying there and he like pops up his, his uh, buff is askew on his head. And he's like, go get water. And everybody's like, what the, nobody else is awake. It was very bizarre. Yeah. Um, He's obviously stressed out out there. If he's waking up (laughs) yelling commands. Well, he's probably, his body is like coursing with uh, scorpion venom. That's yeah, still at this point. That's, that's true. That's better than coffee. That wakes you right up. Um, so as far as Mike goes, he's somebody who, you know, and, and I had uh, high hopes for him in the preseason, but you know, he really is going down a dangerous path with everybody needs to work hard all the time. Um, was there anybody that you played with who was sort of like that? That was sort of like a slave driver of, in terms of like making everybody work all the time. I think on the brain tribe, I was that person. You were that person. Okay. And did you get any pushback from people in terms of like you people like, Hey Cass, like we want to play basketball today. Yeah. And actually that basketball scene was interesting. Now that I'm really paying attention as a viewer, um, do you think maybe they were practicing for the challenge? Oh, that's interesting. Because it reminds me of, you know, Tasha who used to make us practice for everything. And it just seemed interesting that they were practicing basketball and then they had the basketball challenge. Yeah. So I wondered if that was kind of chopped up in the editing room and maybe they had gotten their clue and were kind of practicing. Yeah. I don't remember if we saw the tree mail. I feel like we've have seen less and less tree mail these days. I don't think we saw tree mail for last night's episode actually. So I kind of thought maybe that that was used a little differently to show more of a feud than maybe there really is. Yeah. Is my guess because yeah, the basketball hoop. I don't know. That is good. That's a good, that's a good thought Cass. Yeah. I'm, I think I should be one of these recappers. I really enjoyed rewatching it with my little legal pad here. Well, you do take notes uh, that you seem to be very, very good at that. Obviously, in your job, you have to, you know, do a lot of research and be very, very uh, prepared to talk about things. So I feel like this is a a very good fit for you, Cass. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I wonder about, I really liked Mike in the first episode. Yes. And I 
I almost thought his scorpion eating and then his confessional where he was like, you know, that's just me. I'm a hard charger and I got to try it. I got to do it. And I thought that was kind of a, like, maybe he's a guy who's going to do whatever needs to get done. And now we're kind of seeing this downfall where he's, you know, like the Nazi of the camp waking up, you know, uh, we didn't have anyone like that on our season who would wake up and wake other people up and insist on wood getting or something. Tony would snap at people occasionally who weren't doing their share of whatever he felt needed to be done. Yeah. Um, but that's just Tony's personality. I think, I don't think he was really like barking orders more like jabbing at people for being lazy. Okay. Now talk to me about what do you think is going to happen when this blue collar tribe goes to a tribal council? God, I, I just don't. Do you think they're going to go to tribal soon? Um, it's a good point. They all they have to do is not lose, not come in third. Um, so do you feel like they could be, uh, you know, like the brawn tribe and they could avoid tribal council in the in the first uh, 12 days? I do. Yeah. And I don't think any of them wants to throw a challenge. I think they like winning. Yeah. I think everyone on that tribe, and I think that's part of the whole blue collar thing is that you're someone who really probably has played sports and been competitive. When you have the, uh, the barrel racer girl, you know, she's competitive. She was great at the basketball. Uh, you know, I don't know if Lindsay's that competitive, but she's certainly annoyed with Dan. (laughs) Yes. And then the guys, they all seem pretty alpha type to me in terms of competition. Mm -hmm. And Dan in that challenge Wow. He did did, well. Yeah. I mean, that was a lot of person to move throughout those obstacles. (laughs) Yes. That is a lot of person. He could have had a lot more buoyancy, but the buoyancy didn't work for, uh, will. Will. Yeah. Yes. Um, talk to me about what the survivor players need to be thinking about when we get to whatever this next, uh, iteration of the game is, whatever this next chapter is in terms of, tribe swap or tribe dissolution. Talk to me about how do the players need to be approaching the game right now in between day six, where this episode ended and when the point when they change up the tribes. Well, they need to, each player needs to get their core three together to me. Um, Three is the magic number. uh, Once you hit that swap slash merge thing. Okay. In my opinion, um, so I think like for Dan and Mike, they need to pull someone in. Uh, I think you're going to see Tyler and Carolyn and Tyler give in and let Shireen in, you know, and it'll be that four with Joaquin. Wait, say, just, that, say that again. I want to, uh, I want to make sure I'm writing this down. Okay. I think Tyler and Carolyn because of the idol are already pretty close. Okay. But I think Carolyn and Shireen are close, too. So you've got those three. And then you've got Joaquin. I think everyone's suspicious of Max, especially since you just told me about the so comment about not trusting him. And there was a confessional by Tyler this last night that he's on to Max, kind of, I have in my notes. So, yeah, yeah, I I know everybody likes Max because he's a super fan, but I just see him really overplaying it. Okay. So I think Tyler, Carolyn, and Shireen might get together or Tyler, Carolyn, and Joaquin. But Carolyn's a mama bear. So they, she's already been called mama. So she might <laughs> keep her girl in. You know, you know, I really feel like the tribe that ends up 
tightest in the, after the tribe swap is the tribe that's going to you know dominate the game. It's like if you can come through this next phase, like whatever happens now happens. I feel like just be friends with as many people as you can. But then when you get to your second tribe, um, if you can you know make like a cohesive unit out of that second tribe, I feel like you could dominate the game. That's what you have to do is, I mean, anything that happens really in the first few weeks in a three tribe format is irrelevant. You're never going to see those people again. You're probably going to get swapped. Do we know that there's a swap this season? There hasn't been a preview about it. So we're probably two or three episodes if it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, typically the three times that it's happened before in the three tribe format, it's happened after the fourth vote. Right. After the fourth. So. Yeah, we've got two more episodes before that happens. I'm not sure who's going to... I don't know if Blue Tribe's going to lose, actually lose, you know. Right. Third. So, yeah. Because you know what? It really was. And I know it gets a little little crazy because you end up switching over. But the group that Tony ends up forming at... In your season, where it's Tony and LJ and Trish uh, and and Jeffra, like that was like a tight group that they could have just you know run the table had they wanted to, and then you ultimately uh, flipped to that side, and then things just got a little wonky because Tony kept flip flopping uh, and taking out people from that group, but. Had had they wanted to, right? And tell me if I'm saying anything wrong. They could have just picked off that whole other group of people that were, was your second tribe. Yeah, they could have. And they, you know, I understood why Tony got rid of LJ because he Tony liked to be the alpha, you know. Mm-hmm. And LJ was acting a little sketchy trying to make alliances with everyone that day. So I got that one. But yeah, I think, you know, the paranoia sunk in there, but yeah, the stronger move to me at that point would have been to get rid of the everyone I had dumped. But obviously I had my own reasons for that too. Yeah. (laughs) And so, but the thing that's the tricky part about it, it's not as easy as I'm making it sound because everybody with the three tribe format has, you know, relationships with other players in the game. So there's so many other ways that things could get screwed up because so many other people have other allies along the way. And so, um, it really makes for a uh, very interesting TV after we get to the tribe swap and ultimately the merge. Yeah. And I think these players, hopefully they will not underestimate the bonds of former tribe members. Yeah. You know, uh, just with, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I see either white collar or no, or no collar losing the next challenge. Probably no color because they've got now Nina and Will and they're going to have to play everyone. Yeah, but I will say I feel like after we get to the next phase of the game, I will say that the winner will come from whatever group is tighter after the tribe swap. So if we have one side that's sort of like fractured um, and the other side is sort of like pretty cohesive, I would bet that the winner will come from the side that's more cohesive. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. Yeah, I think it'll and be telling. I'm really trying to figure out with this blue collar how they're going to work out because I really don't see where Rodney is. Yeah. He's kind of a loner. Yeah, and it doesn't even matter necessarily about the numbers as much. Like you could have where you know um, 
you could have a group that's just winning the challenges, but the group itself is not as tight. Whereas you have like a, you know, another group that's coming into the merge that may only be four or five people, but is tight like that four or five. I like them a lot more than the seven that isn't as tight together. Yeah. Cause I don't see the other than Mike and um, Dan on that tribe. I don't see anyone, you know, skinny dipping and, going off gathering wood together or anything. Yeah. I see a lot of individuals on that tribe. Yeah. Well, it's Rodney and Rodney's angels. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> I, I think that's what it is on the blue collar tribe. I mean, Sierra? I mean that you have Rodney and he's obviously close with Lindsay and we've seen Lindsay and Sierra bonding over how much they hate Dan and Kelly was somebody who was sort of like going to bat for the two younger women uh, against Dan in the first episode. So I'm sort of, you know, imagining a scenario where the women are still together plus Rodney. Uh, and I feel like Mike and Dan are on the outs. Like, I feel like Mike really needs to hang on here until the tribe swap and then hopefully get swapped to a group where he's appreciated. Like if Mike could somehow end up with like Joe and the Haley and Jen group, I feel like maybe they might like him a little bit more. Yeah, you know, I had totally forgotten about Kelly till you just brought her up. Yeah, I, she's probably got the least screen. Her and Sierra probably got the least screen time so far out of anybody on the show. I don't have one note with Kelly, but that's just how Survivor works, right? It is 18 people. This is, uh, you know, we've seen two and a half hours of show. Traditionally, the Kellys are... Yes, Blue Kelly. <laughs> Blue Kelly. I, <laughs> I'm going to call her Basketball Kelly because she was so good at it. No, that was Sierra. Oh, yeah. Wow. See, I can't even. Hold Indistinguishable. Yes. Yeah. No, Sierra is so tall, though. She is. She must have. She. I mean, she must have been like a, you know, a high school or college basketball player. She is literally the Sierra on her team. <laughs> yes. Yes. She is a mountain among the women on her team. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's going to be uh, very interesting to see. Uh, how that's going to go as it plays along. Uh, Cass, do you have a, a pick for who either you're rooting for or who you think is going to be the winner of this season? You know, I was all team team Mike last week, and now I don't feel so confident uh, with that. Uh, I liked Carolyn last week, but I didn't I didn't see that going anywhere this week. Yeah. You know? So I'm kind of confused. I I mean, the people I don't think have a shot are like Nina. <laughs> You know, right. I don't think Dan can win. He's getting kind of that, that comical the guy who loses his underwear. The fat. I mean, if I have to hear he's the fat guy again. <laughs> hey, I'm know. a fat guy. Hey, I'm the fat guy. Um, yeah. So do you relate to Carolyn at all? Um, I do a little, you know, obviously the, the older women, they have it pretty hard because of the, the ageism that's just inherent, you know? The, the mom is usually the weaker person mm-hmm. and she was already, you know, her name was brought up last week through no fault of her own other than just being the older woman. So, uh, yeah, if she could, but if, you know, traditionally if the older woman can make it to the merge, she's golden until the final three, right? Yes. So she, she has an idol too. And she has an idol that only Tyler knows about. I, I wonder if she'll be savvy enough to get rid of Tyler before a swap because he knows about the idol. Would that be savvy though, to get rid of Tyler? I don't know. He's kind of prudish. (laughs) So that's a reason to get rid of him, Cass. 
Well, if you're going to head into a, a swap where you might... Are you going to go see Fifty Shades of Grey after this is over? <laughs> no, I saw Fifty Shades of Max last night. Yes, yes. Fifty Blurs of Max. Fifty Shades of Ginger. <laughs> yes. Not, not acceptable. Yes. So you want to vote out Tyler because he's prudish? Well, because he, he knows about the idol, too. <laughs> I'd be worried going into a swap if he's on. He gets swapped out against me, and he knows I have that idol. Yeah, make some new friends. That's a dangerous play, you know. It's dangerous. There's definitely some, definitely some danger there. But I feel like uh, I would want to keep him around. I feel like as an ally, I feel like she has no reason to question whether or not uh, he's on her side. No, I don't think she does either. Yeah, at this point, but yeah, those are things I would be thinking if I were her. You know. All right. Oh, well- Why'd I tell him about my idol? Yes. Which tribe is in the most trouble? I'm going to say the no callers. No callers. Yeah. Even without Vince, because I feel like he was at the root of a lot of their problems. I think each of them is at the root of their own problems. Uh, I mean, I think they're like, should be the no clue uh, tribe, not the no caller. Yeah. Just, I, I don't get Joe yet. I'm not quite sure how I feel about him. Other than now he's in that click for sure. I liked Hallie a bit. Nina, I think it's, uh, you know, we don't have a Nina Walking Dead. Is that a character on there? Or anything? <laughs> there is no Nina on The Walking Dead, but yeah. you feel like she's uh, she's also Walking Dead? Yeah, I think she'll be in the jury house if they go, or in the uh, Ponderosa at this point, she's if they go to tribal. I think Will's in a pretty good spot on that tribe. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Uh, Will's funny. Uh, I thought he was uh, very funny last night. I thought he was funny. I thought he kind of overplayed the race card a bit. Yeah. Or the stereotyping, like the uh, swimming is the black man's kryptonite. Yeah. But he didn't lose the challenge because of swimming. It was because he was so out of shape. He couldn't float and move the buoys around. (laughs) Well, he also tried to say we didn't lose the challenge because of the swimming. Uh, we lost the challenge because we couldn't make the bat make uh, the shots. Did you well, buy that? Yeah, I didn't buy that. I mean, Shireen passed him. Yeah, in the, he was sitting there, and he to me it looked like he was looking around, like, "Have we lost yet?" Not <laughs> even like focused on what the task at hand. Yes. I mean, I didn't see an issue with his swimming, just with his focus and drive during the challenge. Okay. All um, right. Cass, I have so many questions here for you from the listeners of Rob as a podcast. Are you ready? I'm ready, Rob. All right. Here we go. Um, let's go ahead and start with Victoria Chester. Victoria wants to know, Cass, do you think that Will switching his vote last night was too early in the game? It's never too early to flip if it's to save yourself. Yes. And he just positioned himself to keep someone weaker than him. And so you like that, that he sort of like set this up where he still has Nina behind him. It would have been, if I had kept uh, stuck with Garrett and then gotten rid of Jatia, I would have been the next one out as the weakest link. So I totally understand why he did it. And I think it's a smart move for him. People may not like it, but it's his game. So is Will the new Chaos Cass? Well, let's not go that far. (laughs) He could be. I mean, wow. I didn't even think of that, but yeah. You know, what? You know, if he'll cause some chaos down the road. Cass, how are you at karaoke? Horrible. Horrible. Okay. So you wouldn't sing at the gas pump? Pro- 
Probably not. Okay. Yeah. Nor will you find me on YouTube anytime soon. Other than survivor related stuff. YouTube sensation. Ryan Ordonez wants to know, Cass, uh, was it your strategy coming into Survivor to be Chaos Cass, or was it based solely on the situation in the game? Uh, well, my strategy was to try to get to the end and try to win. So I would have much preferred to been in Alliance from day one and, and had those opportunities. So no, it wasn't my strategy to be chaotic. That's just how it turned out. You know, I played the whole game without an Alliance, basically. I never had anyone who had my back or or I felt the need to have their back. So I think I was forced into that situation. Yeah. So you didn't have like a predetermined game plan when you started the game. Oh, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. You were much more sort of just like, let me see how this goes. Yeah. I was kind of like, let's see who I'm on the beach with, you know, who's wearing the same buff and then we'll work from there. And oh yeah, during the pregame, Jeff was really frustrated and upset that I didn't have a game plan. And in the pregame uh, press, he said he didn't know how I would do and that I didn't have a plan and I didn't know who I was. (laughs) Did you know? I I knew that there was a little chaos rooted deep within me. Yes. You knew that that, that somewhere deep inside, chaos cast was waiting to come out. Well, yeah, it just doesn't come out on demand. You know, it's it's not a Netflix version of (laughs) it's not like House of Cards. It's it's a needs based chaos theory. Yeah. So are you like the Incredible Hulk? <laughs> I like the Incredible Hulk. No, I'm like Will. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the Incredible Hulk is like. Well, like when you get him mad, but he can't just like become the Hulk automatically. Oh well, I'm not quite so obvious in in changing my color. I just kind of take little jabs and drive people over the edge with my maniacal grin. Yes. Um. You both More wear like- green. Maybe I'm more like the Joker. Morgan Stradley wants to know, uh, Cass, if Spencer is the young lad, does that make you the young lass? It makes me the old hag. Old hag. No, Cass, come on. Come uh, on I Wait, I don't know what Tony has called me lately. <laughs> I think Tony dubbed him that, right? The young lad. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm actually older than Tony, so... I don't know what I've been called. Delusional? Delusional? The delusional mom? The, de- de- the delusional lass? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's a question from Brian Farrell who wants to know, do you think Joaquin will be in trouble in the game because he's used to sitting in a comfortable chair while chicken and vegetables are brought to him right at the table? Well, if you look at Joaquin does, and you listen to him, does he not remind you of George Costanza? So he could like totally build a little bed under his desk. Does, Joaquin reminds you of George Costanza? If you just listen to him, he's kind of like whiny and in his I watched one of his secret scenes and he doesn't open his eyes very much. And just his mannerisms, I immediately thought of George Costanza. I know he's more attractive than George, but his demeanor and his kind of self-righteousness really was Costanza-esque to me. Wow. Uh, Is that too much of a stretch? I don't know. I got to go back and take a look. Uh, A handsome Costanza is Joaquin. Yeah, just the way he talks and he's just kind of shocked that anyone, you know, I I don't know. I I put that in my notes. Okay. Uh, Here's a question from uh, Patrick Layer. He wants to say, you were often predicted as an early boot during the Survivor Kagiyan preseason. How do older women like Shireen, Carolyn, Kelly, and Nina 
make it deep into the game with a three tribe format. Now, how old is Shireen? I think she's 31. Yeah, I don't I feel like come on now with that uh now we're now Shireen is one of the older people. So are you, Rob? <laughs> well, I, I certainly by this, yeah. Uh yeah, I think maybe people don't know how old Shireen is. But <laughs> yeah, I think the older women are often underestimated and bec- and easy easy prey, you know, like potentially to be the first out because they must be the weakest. So yeah, I, I enjoyed the pregame judgments of me knowing what would go on. So hopefully uh, Carolyn and Kelly and Shireen are enjoying their pregame assessments. Yeah. Well, I know one person that did not think you would be an early boot. Who was that? Corinne Kaplan said you would win the game, but be boring as a the most boring person ever though. And I did not win the game. <laughs> and you were not the most boring person ever either. Yeah. So, you know, Corinne, I mean, her opinions are shit anyway. <laughs> I don't know her track record on picking the winners of these things. Uh, I think she had Dale last season winning the game. She's kind of tore up. I mean, her stick is over. It's and over. At least she's starting. She's to beloved, watch. Cass. Whatever. Anyone can get drunk and write nasty things about everyone. <laughs> do you feel like you could do a better job than, than Corinne? I don't think I would want her job because her whole <laughs> shtick is to be mean, right? Uh, but people love it. Maybe the, the people who listen, but probably not the people she's talking well, about. Well, I do try to tell everybody not to listen if they don't like that kind of thing. So maybe, you, maybe so what you're saying is that, uh, that the general audience... Uh, probably the the subset of people that listen to it love it. But if most people listen to it, they wouldn't love it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. All right. That uh, I don't have any evidence to the contrary. But she is watching the season for the first time, as I understand it. Yes. So that's good. Yeah. I consider Corinne kind of like Eliza, just like such a negative. It's just a cesspool there. <laughs> Eliza is on point on Twitter, Cass. She is. I mean, I aspire to be like her one day. <laughs> There's no Lawyers Are Us uh, alliance between you and Eliza? Uh, yeah, we're all secretly aligned with Russell Hand. <laughs> Why? But he's not a lawyer. He needs a lawyer, probably. He's but He's probably spent more time with lawyers than Eliza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, what about Haley this season? Does she r- remind you of a, of a young Cass as a, uh, a law student? No, no, I never went into law school to change the world. I went to make money. Yeah, so, so you're the opposite of Haley. I'm the opposite. I I didn't have parents footing my bill. I was going to night school. Yeah, you weren't skinny dipping then uh, hanging out with your friends? Oh, I was skinny dipping. <laughs> yes. I would submit that blue collar people probably skinny dip more than anyone. Why? Because they have to save money on bathing suits? Because they're doing it because they just want to, just not because they're trying to get camera time or... Got it. Got it. I mean, there was not even chocolate or peanut butter involved. <laughs> no, there was not. You know that. You know this. Scenario. I know. I was there. And, and and those girls were mean to a deaf person also. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was kind of like Amazon 2.0 there for a minute. Yes. Yes. Um. You know, uh, we didn't really touch on uh, Survivor San Juan del Sur at all. Did uh, you have any takes on uh, that season that came right after you? Were you a fan of Natalie's game? I liked the end game of that season, but 
I did not enjoy the season. Yeah. The, be- the whole beginning was really boring. I think a lot of the show's integrity was compromised throughout with the extra rice and the flint and the whiny crybaby behavior of these people. Yeah. I think it was a big flop. And I think the reason people appreciated the end game was that we finally got to see a few episodes of actual survivor, not a bunch of recruits whining on TV. So, um, I was happy that Natalie won. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the, the very end, but I just didn't have anyone I was rooting for or against the whole season. I think that like, I didn't care. Do you think that part of that is because uh, Kagiyan was so good that it was just kind of like a, a letdown season where um, we were really pumped up after, you know, just exciting episode after exciting episode. And then San Juan del Sur just there was almost no way that they were going to be able to top that. I didn't think of it that way. Um, I mean, I really enjoyed our season and obviously I'm biased because I was on it. But I mean, part of my disillusion could have been having gone through the whole survivor experience. And then, you know, that first season you watch after you're on, it's just kind of a weird six months or so where you're processing that you're no longer on survivor Mm -hmm. and maybe you're a little more judgmental as to how people are playing. Yeah. Um, So that probably, I know I'm not supposed to be self-aware, but (laughs) I acknowledge that watching that season didn't, hold my normal enthusiasm as a fan. Well, it's hard after you do the show. And I know that, you know, the season 30 people, um, you know, are all having fun now. And I'm sure next season, a lot of them will be like, Oh, these guys, they suck. They're not even, they, they didn't even have to make a decision on the first day and blah, 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 blah. Um, but it's, I mean, it's a natural thing where, um, you know, you go through it yourself and then you can be a little harder on the next group of people that come through and go through the process. Yeah. It's like you're in high school and someone just stole your boyfriend and all you want to do is just say how terrible they look. Wow. You just, so you're kind of processing not being this Z list celebrity anymore. And the fact that your ride is over. Yeah. But I think legitimately it was kind of a boring season. Um, yeah, I think you're, I think that's fair. And integrity. My big issue was, cause there's, you know, you never know how people are going to behave out there. Um, so, but the integrity of the show with Jeff, just, it just really felt like they were trying to pander to these people and, and coddle them a bit much. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Cass, I'm sure you've seen that the survivor 30 cast seems, uh, oddly close. I can't ever remember a survivor cast that like seems to be spending as much time with each other after the show and not like at the finale, just like seemingly like at random times, uh, a lot of them seem to be hanging out with each other. Could you ever imagine spending that much time with some of your survivor 28 cast members? No. (laughs) Um, you know, everyone knows there's no love lost between me and some people. Yeah. And I'm certainly not going to go to a museum exhibit dedicated to survivor with my entire (laughs) cast. I can't even imagine. Although we're less than two weeks out from Shatia's wedding. Yes. Uh, that a lot of us are going to. Uh, specifically, the Brains Tribe minus Garrett will all be there. Wow, even David Sampson? Yeah, David's going. Um, and then Bryce is going as well. So, oh, good. So well, it's going to be Tasha, Spencer, Bryce, David, and myself. 
Good, because I need to ask Bryce, uh, who is the freakiest freak of this season? Because I think there's a lot of potential candidates here. Oh, yeah. Well, I've got his number if you need it. No, I got his number, too. That uh, I, I would like to get him on the show soon to talk about that. Um, so you, you feel like it's odd for a Survivor cast to hang out that much. I do. And I talked to Shireen uh, about... Cause so said some kind of negative things about her. Yes. And she was having, you know, she was like, I can't believe she's being so mean about this. And I said, you know, take the high road. My attitude was to, you know, anyone who's booted out and watching should just have a free pass for the week of their exit. Cause everyone processes it really differently and takes it personal and feels like something was missing from the edit. So I think we will see them break apart as the season goes on with all their social media, you know, rainbows and unicorns and stuff because they're going to get exit interviews and they're going to watch their, you know, their professionals. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right about that because it's going to be a lot of like, then when like, you'll there'll be a confessional where it'll be like, yeah, you know what? Like uh, screw her. She is a bitch. And, and uh, like she is, uh, she is a real jerk. And then it's like, how could you say that about me on the confessional? Right. So I think we're, we're in the honeymoon stage of celebrity for these guys. And once we get a couple more exit interviews and edits that people aren't happy with, the, the mud will start being slung. All right. The prophecy of Cass is enjoy the honeymoon while it's happening. Survivor 30 cast. Yeah. Chaos will ensue. Chaos will ensue. Even if I have to get in there. <laughs> what? What are you going to do? I No, I don't know. I just I just know the whole arc of how this goes. And I can't imagine them all being so nice to each other for, throughout the whole airing. They seem very chummy. They're all flying to California together. And how are these this many people able to leave work and come to California all the time? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, Rebecca Random has a question for you, Cass. Uh, what ideas does Cass have for a twist with three tribes? Well, you know, Jeff was really hyping this season. Yeah. And I mean, part of me thinks that because it's because it was season 30 and they're, and you know, Jeff's so wrong so often in his favorites of everything. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, uh, just that it almost makes this season less credible because Jeff pumped it for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think part of the reason the viewership's up is all the hype. I mean, you've had magazines come out, TV guide did a special. So naturally people, a lot of people don't even know the show's on the air anymore. <laughs> so when they see it in people magazine or whatever magazine, um, they probably are like, Oh yeah, I haven't seen that in a while. I think I'll tune in. So I think much of the improved ratings is just because it's season 30 and all the, the free press they're getting out of 15 years on the air. Yeah. But isn't like what you're describing, isn't that similar to the Corinne phenomenon that you said with the podcast where, um, like you said, the only people that are listening to Corinne are the people that want to hear from Corinne and that's why they're saying it's good. So isn't that the same exact thing with survivor where there's all these other people that are just tuning it out and don't even know it's still on the air. Yeah. But I think the difference with Corinne, no one's ever hyping her in people magazine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, on these, I'm sure I don't watch them, but probably like these entertainment tonights or whatever, they probably are saying, Oh, it's season 30. I think Jeff was on jeopardy or wheel of fortune recently. Price is right. Okay. So yeah. So he's kind of come out after all this time and Whoa. really 
watching it. So I'm home in the middle of the day watching Price is Right, and I see Jeff, and I see that he's still on TV, and I really liked the first three or four seasons. I might tune in again. Yeah. As opposed to Corinne is, you know, one trick pony there. Uh, let's take uh, some other questions. Uh, here is uh, one. Uh, so Patrick Lair wants to know, Will said last night that water is the black man's kryptonite. What is the chaos cast kryptonite? Baby llamas. Baby, baby llamas. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they my, melt your heart? My kryptonite's my family. Come on. That's what made me flip off Trish. Okay. I'm known for keeping cool, right? <laughs> so, uh, but uh yeah, I didn't buy that one. I really didn't like that line by him. Yeah. And a similar thing was said on our season that didn't make the air in our, I think it was our first swim challenge when uh, Cliff didn't do the swim part and neither did, uh, or Bryce didn't want to swim in a challenge. And he said, you know, black people can't swim. And Cliff was like, I swim every week. Yeah. So, I don't like that stereotype. Yes. So Okay. Let's take another question. Uh, this is from uh, Chris Nichols, who says, uh, Cass, if you had a chance to play again, are you interested in playing again, Cass? You know, I at first I really wanted to. And the longer it goes, you know, survivor feeling, right? But none of us would ever say no, would we? I think some of us would say no. Yeah, I think I'm still in the phase where I really would like to play again, but... I mean, you know how it is. They, you never know what they're up to. You never know what they're up to. Okay. So, um, do you think that this is the question? Do you think people would view you as non-threatening because all the haters that want to hate or as a force to be reckoned with, uh, like Russell? Um, well, I don't think anyone considers Russell a force to be reckoned with anymore. I think he's something to be reckoned with. He's something to be bitch. Uh, yeah, you would go after Russell. Uh, it's really would Russell even be be allowed to play again? <laughs> I don't. I I don't make that call. I would think everyone would go after Russell, just because he's a screen time hog and he's so his ego is crazy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you'd want to take him to the end. It would be kind of funny to go to the end with him again and him lose. <laughs> that would, that be, would be fun. That would just for the viewers. I would do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a great reason not to get rid of him. Right. You know, that you know that he probably can't win. And so, uh, I mean, I feel like uh, I would not be like somebody that'd be like, oh, we got to get Russell Hance out day one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But would you want to live with Russell Hance for 39 days? I'd take my chances because I feel like the uh, the longer Russell Hance is around, the less people are saying, you know, we got to get rid of Rob yeah. today. So let, let Russell stay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, he's a good distraction. Yeah. So, but for me, I don't know how people would view me. I mean, I know when I watch having been on it, I have a different view of, you know, what's really gone on, understanding how things are edited and how the show, you know, it's what goes on out there is somewhat different than what you see on TV sometimes. Yeah. So I would think in a returning player season, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm a physical threat to anyone. And I really don't think I got a shot to actually show if I could not be a flipper or anything. When you look at how I had to play the game, mm-hmm. uh, I never really had an alliance. 
you know, the Tasha Spencer thing was a last minute, you know, we're all in this boat together thing. It wasn't really a, we're so bonded and let's go to the end together. You know, Cass, um, how do you feel about Sandra's game? Do you feel like, is that a fair comparison to say that your game is similar to Sandra's? Sandra always kind of had people she was with, right? I'm I mean, sure at different, at different points, she's had people that she's been with. Yeah. So, I mean, Sandra's game's better because she won, right? <laughs> yeah, she, but I don't know how dissimilar it is. I, I don't know that it's dissimilar. Um, when I when I think about it, I think highly of Sandra because she's made it through twice, you know, and won. Yeah. While, while being somewhat snarky and unpleasant at times. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's somewhere. It, I don't know that anyone's game is 100% similar to anyone else's because you're always playing with different players, you know? Mm-hmm. It's so hard to compare your games. Yeah. So. I really don't know. And that would be a fear if I returned would be, would get me out early. And that's probably everyone's fear, right? I think that's most people's fear. They don't want to be the first one out or <laughs> yeah. You know, everyone really probably thinks they can win. Hey, you do. You think you can win. And then sometimes you go there and then you get voted out quick and you say, what, what, the, what happened? It's yeah. Like a car accident. How did this happen? So I was driving really, along. It depends who you're with, you know? Yeah. I would hate to be on a fan favorite season. So your uh, fans versus favorite season. Yeah. Like yeah. fans versus favorites. I would not dig that at all. Cause I don't, I don't like that concept. It's not fair. Okay. Uh, this is a question from Jordan Kalish. He wants to know, what did you think about Spencer winning Mr. Survivor? Did you predict any chaos during his reign? Uh, I, I may try to cause some chaos for his reign. But, Why? Um, what would you do? Did you get the belt to him yet? I'd like him to take it to the wedding and I could steal it or something. Oh, uh, well, th- that's a good reason that we'll warn him not to. I'm, I'm still waiting to get it from our, from our last Mr. Survivor. I, I think so is wearing it right now. <laughs> How dare you, Cass? <laughs> that's all she's wearing. That's all she's wearing, yes. Now, that's uh, if Max wins next year. Did anyone actually think Spencer was not going to win? I think that, well, lots of people voted for Tony and Jeremy, so maybe they thought that uh, he wasn't going to win. I voted for Tony. Yeah, you did? Yeah. Why? Because I promised Spencer I would vote for him, and then I decided at the last minute to change my mind. <laughs> yeah, that's, a promise means you, can, you can't change your mind. <laughs> I just thought it would be funny if Tony beat Spencer at it. Yes. But then I also enjoy Tony's not winning. <laughs> okay, so you should have voted for Jeremy. I didn't think he had a real shot. Okay. <laughs> All right. There you go. Um, so, and by the way, I was totally robbed for Miss Survivor. Well, this is from uh, Ken Crowner who says, uh, no question. I would just like Cass to know that I think it's super classy of her to appear on the podcast. Even when the RHAP fans snubbed her for Miss Survivor, she was my top choice. Beautiful and a player. What more could you ask for? Now that guy's got some social game in there. Yes. It's got mad social skills. Yes. You know, um, I didn't, I didn't actually want to be Miss Survivor Rod. I, I just wanted to be in the debate to cause problems. Cause problems. Well, see, I was excited that you were so interested, but then I felt like, oh, they, that, uh, I feel like those problems would eventually become problems for me. Yes. <laughs> so I did that. Uh, the debate would have been much better if you'd had a little chaos in there. Yes. Okay. Well, the debate was very uh, contentious. 
Yeah, it got kind of ugly there, didn't it? It's very well. Lots of people. It's very competitive. People want to win Miss Survivor. Yeah, I didn't know if I would want the crown to carry it or anything, but certainly yeah, the sash. The sash, yeah. And I was really looking forward to a Spencer Tasha, you know, combo because yes. I felt like they would have done a lot with it. Yes. Um, Tasha really picked up her game with her uh, videos and and campaigning. <laughs> yes. Um, she did. She would have been a great Miss Survivor, but uh, it was very, it was very close. It was a very, very tight vote. Uh, very close, much like the challenge that Wu won for the final immunity. That's how close it was. Oh, was it? <laughs> it was uh, only two hundred votes. It was that close. Wow. Well, I would call recency bias. Plus, just uh, she might have got the uh, the other TV show vote. An amazing race. All right. Well. <laughs> Uh, they all still count. It's not like we say that the votes don't count because uh, of recency bias. Okay. Well, I thought it was fun and it was fun to participate. And I would never snub you, Rob. Or Thank your you, Cass. I wouldn't snub the listeners either. All right. Well, Cass, I, I think we, we should go out on a high note because I don't know if we're going to do better than that one. All right. Yes. Cass, thank you so much uh, for coming on and talking with us. I know a lot of people were excited to have you back on, myself included. Well, yeah. I mean, anytime. Well, you know, maybe like once a season. Yeah, once a season. We don't have to, you know, I don't have to bother you that much. Um, crazy with it. You could follow Cass on Twitter. She's at Cass McHugh. Have you been tweeting during the season? I have not. Um, yeah. I don't have much to say. <laughs> yes. Let's say I'm looking at your last couple of tweets. Uh, you tweeted, uh, hey, Rob Sister, is it just a coincidence that I'm doing the Survivor 30 nudie booty episode recap next week? Yes. Very good. Uh, you also said happy birthday to Shireen. And hopefully you fare better than last year's birthday premiere contestant, David Sampson. Yes. Uh, so th- there you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, well, it was David Sampson's birthday on the premiere last year. It was. Yes. Uh, unhappy birthday for David Sampson. Sitting in a hotel in L.A. alone. Yes. Okay. Or maybe- Maybe Garrett was near him. I don't know. <laughs> probably. Probably. Uh, well, uh, they probably uh, would have wanted them separated. But, you know, the Twitter thing, I, I'm kind of off of it. So. Okay. Uh, you're not missing much. And there's so many people uh, tweeting about the season, like past contestants. Yeah. It's, it's almost cliche. It's an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. And then Max Dawson is really, this Dirty 30 thing is really obnoxious. Dirty 30 is not. Why are you against Dirty 30? It's just such media boring, you know? Too much. Too much. Yeah. Um, You guys should have started 28 is great. Yeah, we didn't need to because we knew it was great. (laughs) Okay. Oh, I hope Survivor 31 contestants. Uh, 31 is so much fun. Yeah, I think they're going to be doing new players, right? Yeah. So so it's... Hey, Survivor 31 players, if you're listening, we got the hashtag for you already. 31 is so much fun. Is so You think the much is too much? Is, is, is so fun? Or will people be confused and think that So Kim is back on the show? I don't think they'll think she's back. She's already made two trips out. <laughs> That's it. That's it. She's not a three-timer? She's dating Malcolm. Why would she leave for seven weeks? That's right. She's already the winner. And I guess Spencer has a girlfriend now, too. Yeah, every- I don't know what's going on with all these fan favorite boys. There must be something in the water. If I were a young fan favorite male, I would not be settling down. Uh, really? If you were a young lad, you would be spreading your uh, chaos oats? 
Yes. <laughs> I would sow as many oats as I could off. <laughs> is that S-O or S-E-W? I think S-O is spoken for, but you yes. never know. Okay. All right, Cass, great job on the podcast this week. I uh, hope to uh, talk to you again sometime soon. Hey, who'd you pick to win, Rob? My Shireen was my pick. So I, the, you approve? I approve of that mess. Yes. But yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't know about these white collars. So. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm starting to feel the Rodney, but I felt the the mic last week. So we'll see. Well, all right, Cass, take care. Okay. Take care, Rob. Talk Bye. to you later. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. There you have it. That was Chaos Cass back here on the podcast. And uh, Cass was a uh, very fun and always a good time. Always good to hear from Cass. And it's our very intelligent and sarcastic women week here on Rob has a podcast because we are going to be switching gears immediately and bring in another of said women. Here is my good friend and our chief amazing race correspondent to help us go over all of our voicemails and social media. Here is the great Jessica Lee. Jessica, how are you? Apparently, I got a promotion. I was used to be just the senior Amazing Race correspondent. Now I'm the chief. Gee, yes. Well, happy promotion, Jess. That's fantastic. Yes. Welcome to the Big Survivor podcast for this week. I'm like a C-level executive now. <laughs> yes, yeah, C-level. You're above C-level. Yep. Yes. So uh, first off, uh, Jess, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yes. I'm ready to tackle this you know, thorny topic. Are you excited that there are no blind date people on uh, this season of Survivor? Well, I like to think of Survivor as just one big blind date with 18 people. Yeah, I guess that's, a, that's fair. That's a fair thing. And, you know, after the whole like uh, Vince and Jen and Joe love triangle from last week, it kind of was like a blind date. Yeah, it kind of was. Um, you know, Vince would have been great on this season of Amazing Race. Yeah. Make him one of the blind daters. Jess, where were the reality couples uh, this season on The Amazing Race? They couldn't have like matched up like two reality star couples on The Amazing Race this season? I think they always leave room for one, but maybe there just wasn't anybody compelling. Yeah, nobody. I mean, that's never stopped them before, but. <laughs> How dare you, Jess? Oh, that was, that was a terrible low thing blow. to say. That was a low blow. I am immediately remorseful. Yes. Anyway. So, uh, just, uh, what's your take on no collar, white collar, blue collar, uh, off the jump here? Well, you were saying in the know-it-alls last night that it was, it's one of these seasons where we're in episode two and already I feel like I know everybody. Mm -hmm. Like I have a pretty good read on almost everybody that's on the show and that hasn't happened in a really long time. So I'm very optimistic. Yeah, about I'll tell the you, season. I feel like I know these players a lot better than I know the amazing race teams after two and a half hours of screen time. Yeah, uh, fair. And we've seen, yeah, we've seen as much amazing race as we have survivor. And I probably can name you all the survivors off the top of my head. I don't think I can do that for amazing race. Wow. And that, that's your forte. You're the chief amazing race correspondent for Robin's podcast. And I still need the list in front of me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, there are uh, greener pastures ahead. We think on the amazing race uh, 26. And of course, uh, Jessica is my co-host for our amazing race wrap uh, ups every Friday night at 915 uh, PM Eastern time. And we will be right back there 
to attack Amazing Race 26, episode number three, this Friday night. So I hope you can join us there. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. We are here to get into your voicemails about this week's edition of Survivor. I'm, I'm very excited to do the voicemails. This is my favorite segment of your Survivor coverage, and it's an honor to be a part of it. Good. Well, it's an honor to have you here. Uh, before we get into the voicemails, I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode of Rob is a Podcast. And those are the people over at Casper Mattress. And Casper is just... I have a Casper Mattress. The people at Casper said, Rob, we want to come on Rob is a Podcast and we want to promote the Casper mattress. And what we want you to do, we're going to send you a Casper mattress and you sleep on it. And then we want you to talk about it on the podcast. And just, I have been sleeping on the Casper mattress for some time now. And let me tell you, uh, it is real and it is spectacular. That sounds, that sounds wonderful. Have you eaten any spaghetti in it yet? <laughs> I have not eaten any spaghetti in the Casper mattress. I would never dare of that. I would be very protective <laughs> over the uh, Casper mattress uh, because the Casper mattress, unlike the traditional mattress with springs and stuff like that, uh, they combine premium latex foam and memory foam. It's a, a blind date that will be successful. Trust, trust me on this. Um, and it's really cool the way that they send the mattresses out they send you a mattress in a box uh, and it's all sort of like tied up together and they send you like a letter opener with it and then you sort of like take it out of the box. It's, it's, it's very, very fun. And then you sort of like slit like the paper that's like holding it all in place together open and then it just starts like and like getting bigger uh, and it's uh, very, it's fantastic. That sounds like that sounds like something that should be on YouTube. Uh, I'm sure it is on YouTube. You have to make sure you're in the right room because uh, then it becomes like the full the full size thing. But uh, the Casper mattress is uh, is very fun to open and also very fun to sleep in. It's uh, obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price. It has the right amount of sink, the right amount of bounce, uh, and those are two things that you want that you want to have just right, Jess. They're very important qualities to have in a mattress. Very important qualities. So you could try it risk free. Uh, they have a great return policy, so you could try to sleep on a Casper mattress for 100 days. They give you free delivery and painless returns. The mattresses are made in America, and the prices are very reasonable, uh, especially compared to some of the industry standard mattress prices because they cut out the middleman. So go ahead and check out Casper.com slash Rob. That's Casper.com slash Rob. Use the promo code Rob uh, when you check out and you'll get $50 off uh, your Casper mattress. So that's promo code Rob. Go to Casper.com slash Rob and uh, you will thank me later for that. Okay, Jess, uh, let's get into this. Uh, Let's talk about the voicemails. Are you ready for this? I was born ready. Okay, let's get into it. Let's get out of the gate here and I want to start with a historic voicemail, Jess. Are you ready for that? I, I'm so ready. Okay. A historic voicemail because traditionally on Rob's podcast, we get voicemails. A person calls in and says what they have to say, but just, we have never had a voicemail from a group of people. Ooh. And it's this like a is conference call, a conference call. And this is exactly what we have here. Uh, wants to talk about, uh, some of Dan's, uh, unmentionables and they're going to mention them. Hey Rob, it's Steve, Kevin, Emily, and Krista. The St. Louis branch of the Wine and Cheese Alliance. We're a little worried about Dan's banana etiquette. 
Was losing his banana hammock an unfortunate accident or a social strategy? And if this was strategy, what does he have to gain from losing his mantis? And seriously, if mantis wasn't a suggested hashtag, are they even trying anymore? Love you, babe. Wow, Jess. Did you think that there would ever be a St. Louis chapter of the Wine and Cheese Alliance? Man, they're just handing those franchises out like candy. (laughs) Yes. They're just popping up everywhere. They're like Cinnabon. I guess so. Yes. Anyway. I heard there's a Cinnabon in in Omaha. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, I hear that there's a guy named Gene that is uh, the newest member. But anyway. um, All right. So uh, that was fantastic, by the way, to the uh, St. Louis chapter of the Wine and Cheese crew. But that being said, Jess, um, Dan's Manties. Dan's Manties, intentional or no? Yes. Did you have that, a strong take on this? I think that, I think the Manties were a calculated gesture in and of themselves. I do not believe losing them was in the plan. So the wearing of them was part of the plan? Oh, sure. And I think it is exactly like Lindsay said. It, he wanted to be the wacky comic relief in the tiny underpants. And that was going to be his thing. But I don't think... Losing them was also going to be his thing. Yeah, even everything about the story is crazy. Like, uh, you know, I missed it the first time, but then I watched the episode a second time. And he's talking about, he's like, you know, I was in the water and then I had, uh, you know, one leg, one leg off. And it's like, in what world does somebody use the bathroom like that where you remove like one leg from your underwear? You know, I guess he was probably trying to like keep them pinned down so that this very thing would not happen. <laughs> like, I don't know the specific mechanics of the aqua dump, but I imagine you have to be kind of careful. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I don't get anything about it. You know, it doesn't make any sense to me what whatsoever, because um, there's, I, look, I, I, you want to pee in the ocean. Okay. I can, I can wrap my head around that, but the ocean BM, it does not, make any sense to me uh, other than there's water in the toilet uh, that, you know, maybe it's like you feel about just, uh, am I missing something here? Well, maybe I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You never appeared on a particularly oceanic season of the show. That is incorrect. Well, that's, that's right. Because you were in the same location as the Pearl islands, right? Yes. Yes. I was. And that is don't take that oceanic. away from me. Don't take that away. from All me. right. I was there. And you were you were in that season, contrary to what Jerry Manthe said. Yes, yes. And you guys, this was not something you guys did. Uh, I never did. I, I mean, look, like uh, you know, just the mechanics of of that. If I mean, should do do we want to go there? Do we open Pandora's box? Um, I find, and I have found in my Survivor experience, what you want to do is I think you want to sort of simulate the uh, position that you would in a traditional facility. And I found that the easiest way to do that is, you know, you want to find like some sort of a, a, a tree and I want to hold on to something. And then I want to, you know, brace myself and, and, and get my knees at like a 90 degree angle. And almost as if there was like a invisible facility 
I think that's probably like uh, close to where, where you want to go. Somewhere between if there was an invisible facility and a uh, and a some sort of a squat. I, that's uh, the position I would assume. Yeah, well, um, Richard Hatch says that you're supposed to keep your knees up much higher. Yes, yes, as with the makers of the squatty potty. Now, again, how are you doing any of this in the ocean? I, I don't, I, I, that is beyond me. Yeah, I guess the rationale is that it's semi-self-cleaning when you have sketchy bioorganic materials with which to clean yourself after the act. I guess, I guess so. I, guess I don't so. know. I've never, I've never partaken of it myself. I've never been on Survivor, so... I guess I defer to the experts on this. One. I don't know. I, I don't know. But I think the move would be to, uh, you know, if you're if you're Dan, I would, I would either a leave the uh, undergarments on the beach or b hold them in your hand. Uh, what you're doing with one one leg on one leg off that I've never I don't know that move. Yeah, I could understand why he wouldn't want to have him in his hands if he has to brace himself on something. But the one leg up is totally alien to me. That is that is odd. So you feel like it was still an accident that he lost them and not due to an accident. Yeah, I although your theory that um, it was a Tarzan kind of situation with no excuse of dirt that could also have some legs. That certainly could have some legs. Uh, So we will we will see. All right. So. just just to give you a little spoiler here, um, a lot of the callers wanted to talk about Dan and his manties. Well, it, it is a hot topic. It certainly is. I understand the impulse. <laughs> just, I yeah. got retweeted by the official Survivor account last night talking oh, they about say? the manties. I, I referred to them as Danties, and they liked it quite a bit. Oh, that's clever. That's good. All right. Here's a question from Johnny. Wants to talk about, guess what, Jess? Danties. 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 Yes. Hi, this is Johnny calling from Chicago, and I have a question about Dan and his manties. Did production give him board shorts for the challenge? Uh, I don't know how I feel about that if they did, because I'm thinking uh, when he said that he couldn't go raw dog in his jeans, I led, led me to believe that he had no other option. And I'm thinking about how much good TV we'd be missing if we had to see him spend the rest of his time wearing a shirt for a bottom. Uh, Let me know what you guys think. All right, Jess. So Johnny's a very observant viewer of the show. Um, We saw Dan lose his Speedo, lose his Danties. And then uh, in the challenge, he has a bathing suit. Uh, But he told them in his jeans that, hey, I can't go, you know, raw dog in these jeans. So what's going on here? Where did the bathing suit come from? Well, Johnny's not totally observant then. If he hadn't noticed that everyone else also has bathing suits in this segment. So I think this is just one of those occasions, and we've seen it happen on Survivor before so many times, where they start out in their street clothes or, you know, whatever clothes production decided to dress them in. And then when they get to a challenge where it makes sense, they are given additional swimwear. And this looks pretty clean to me. Like... I don't know. I took uh, for my recap for previously.tv, I took a screen grab of everybody like preparing to do the challenge. And those swimsuits don't look like they've been out in the wilderness for five days at this point. Yeah. Wow. Jess, look at you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I watched the episode twice too. So, yeah, look at you. Wow. Very observant. Look, I'm doing my best. You don't get to be a uh, chief amazing race correspondent without being attention to detail. 
well, you know, this is my fifth season covering reality television for media outlets. Yeah, is that it? I feel like it's been longer. I started with season 21 of Amazing Race, right? Okay. And we're in season 26. One, two, three, and four, five, six. Right? Yeah. Sixth, yeah. sixth season. My sixth season. Yes. Okay. Okay. Don't shortchange me. All righty. All right. Uh, here is a question from Eddie. Um, and it's not so much uh, a question as it is. Uh, he's going to raise some interesting points for discussions. Let's just let Eddie take it away. On a beach in Nicaragua, a blue-collar man takes care of some brown-collar business. But then the seas open up and take away his manties. Or did they? Was this all just an elaborate ruse so the man could manipulate those around him? Or did the white-collar waves actually take the clothes from the blue-collar man? Or was it the fabled Manti Ray? <laughs> the Survivor Unsolved Mysteries. I am Eddie. All right. Uh, was it the fabled uh, Manti Ray that might have taken uh, Dan's underwear? The mysterious creature from the deep. Yeah, great job, Eddie. Eddie. Very fun. Yes. Very fun. That was wonderful. Even though your Robert Stack impression sounds like <laughs> the rock grinder from Never Ending Story. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, it does, right? <laughs> I'd have to go back and take a listen to the rock grinder from the never ending story. But that being said, uh, yes, the unsolved mysteries of uh, Dan's underwear. Yeah, that's, it's beautiful. And I love, I love the insertion of the cryptozoology angle on that. Like that is, that's going to give me some points to ponder Eddie. I really, and the music. Yes. I love that. Not since uh, Tarzan in Survivor One World has a pair of undergarments caused such a fuss on Survivor. And you know, I think every Survivor season that involves an underwear-related mystery, I think we are all better for it. Yeah. Just uh, Ding Mary Kill, uh, Dan's <laughs> Danties, Tarzan's underwear, or Phillip's uh, uh, tidy pinkies. Oh, dear. Oh dear. Um, I guess I'm, if I, if I must, yeah, I think the correct answer is I marry the dandies Mm -hmm. and I ding the tidy pinkies (laughs) and I kill the dirt slash poop. Okay. So just for the, for posterity, that was, uh, you, you're dinging Phillips underwear. Yes. Wow. Strong statement. You know, there's not, there's no debate about what's on those, you know? Okay. <laughs> well, we'll have to do some screen caps. We'll see. All right. Uh, are you ready to go to another question? Yes, indeed. Okay. This is, is from- this one also about Mantis? <laughs> no, Jess, uh, we will not answer more questions about uh, the Danties uh, for now, but uh, we will go to another big topic of conversation among the voicemail callers. Nudity on Survivor. Oh boy. Okay. Here's a question from Ariel. 
Hi, Rob and Jess. This is Ariel. Max last night told and showed us that he wanted to pay homage to classic Survivor players, starting with getting butt naked to tip his hat to Richard Hatch. What other players do you predict Max will honor this season and how will he do it? Thanks. Okay. Um, all right. Max got naked on Survivor. Uh, he was honoring Richard Hatch. Do you think we will see more of our Survivor contestants uh, or Max honoring other Survivors? I would love to see him do like every episode, one or two tributes to a winner from a past season. Wow. Like if he did them in chronological order, that'd be pretty cool. But I don't, I don't so think next, he's going to. What get, will he do to honor Tina? He will uh, mispronounce the word Doritos. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, and then the following week for Ethan? For Ethan. Um, he's got to do two a week. Yeah, he's got to do two a week to get all the way up to. And he might even have to like triple up some weeks. Um, For Ethan, maybe he can find a goat and trade it for beer. Boy, that's very specific. I guess. <laughs> I'm not sure. This metaphor is falling apart. Yeah. He's the survivor professor. You know, I don't have a PhD in survivor. I'm just spitballing. Okay. So we'll be on the lookout for more uh, Max shout outs along the way. Uh, was the nudity thing, was that an issue for you, Jess? Um, I think I think blurred nudity on survivor is what makes the show great. But as a strategic move, I didn't love it because I think... One thing that Max is overlooking is that being the naked guy on Survivor worked for Richard Hatch one time only, and the second time he tried to do it, it really didn't work out so well. And there's only really ever been one other Survivor winner who's leveraged nudity, and that was Jenna Maraska, and he doesn't have the same kind of cachet that she did. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. He's overestimating the draw of being the naked guy. <laughs> I guess so. That is fair. That's fair. Okay. Uh, l- let's stay on this subject. Uh, here's a question from Amy. Hey, Rob. This is Amy in Melbourne. I would like to know, A, how did you feel generally about the amount of nudity in last night's episode? And B, more specifically, did you think, like I did, that Max Dawson has surprisingly muscular thighs? Okay. Thank you. Bye. Okay, let's take that question in two parts. Uh, the first part, um, the, was I surprised by the amount of nudity uh, in the episode? Um, you know, it was sort of shocking to see not one beat of, like, everybody's naked over here, but a second beat of everybody's naked over here also. Yeah, and then there was a kind of, I felt like there were three connected thematic elements in, um, you know, Dan trying to make new underwear out of his shirt, which is nudity related yes. or nudity adjacent. Yes. And we got we got Max and Shireen getting naked and then we've got skinny dipping over on no collar. I thought that was lovely how those all kind of dovetailed quite nicely. It was really wonderful storytelling yes. on the part of the survivor editors. So really, no matter whether you're white collar, blue collar or no collar, uh, everybody is naked underneath their clothes. Everybody is no collar underneath their clothes. <laughs> yes, yes. Everybody is no collar underneath their shirts, and everybody has uh, dandies underneath their pants, except Shireen. Except Shireen. <laughs> okay. All right. 
Uh, it's part two of the question. Uh, did Max Dawson have uh, surprisingly developed thigh muscles for you? Uh, I did not notice his thighs per se, but here's the thing that runs through my head whenever we see a lot of Max Dawson. Yes. Um, he has said in interviews that he gained a whole bunch of weight to go on the show. Yes. And he looks pretty cut to me. Yes. What did he look like before? He was uh, very skinny earlier and he like put on like mass. Um, he wasn't like a um, he, he was a, a very like a uh, thin guy. And then he like uh, got into really good shape for Survivor. Yeah. OK. So he was like doing CrossFit and stuff. He wasn't just eating ice cream. No, no, that's that's what I would do. But I don't see like. He doesn't seem like he's got a whole lot of body fat on him. And I guess he's got a fair amount of muscle, but I can't imagine him being much skinnier than he is. And I guess I never knew him before he was on the show apart from like Twitter. So I wouldn't know, but yeah, I thought the question you were going to be wondering about Max Dawson was, uh, does the beard match the drapes? That's also a fair point to ponder. (laughs) Yes. And, uh, yeah, you can hypothesize uh, on your own uh, what the, <laughs> what that could uh, potentially look like. I All don't right. want to know for sure because <laughs> I think that would ruin the excitement of thinking it over. All right. Uh, here's another question. Uh, and this one is from Josh. Hey, Robin, Jessica. This is Josh Lemer. So in this episode, we saw Jen and Haley getting naked and going into the water. But did you think it was odd that the preview for this episode that aired last week didn't tease us about that happening and instead tried to entice us by showing us naked history professor Max. I think CBS marketing really dropped the ball on this one. Bryant Gumble would not have approved. Thanks. Bye. You know, I would like to speak to whoever is in charge of the promo department because uh, they showed us nude clips of this Marks uh, Dahlberg and <laughs> uh, did they screw up Jess by uh, promoting the fact that Max Dawson would be naked, um, <laughs> that a surprisingly muscular thighs aside, uh, and not get into the fact that the no collar duo of Jaley would be getting naked as well. Well, pursuant to my earlier point, the man's got a body on him. Maybe they're just trying to give us a little equal opportunity here. Is that what they're doing? Survivor did well last night. Won its time slot. Was that the audience that the people that want to see Max naked? Was Did they succeed in bringing them over? I think that is the audience giving a resounding yes to the question. Do we want to see more male nudity on Survivor? Okay. There you go. So uh, well done, CBS. You're Hashtag doing it. good naked. Good naked. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you brought up good naked because that's what my next question for you is all about, Jess. All right. Here we go. Hey, Rob. Josh Walling calling from New Hampshire here. With all the nudity on last night's episode, I thought this was least appropriate. I'm wondering, where do you think new dishwashing falls on the Jerry Seinfeld scale of good naked, bad naked? Um, I'm guessing probably more to the bad side. But anyways... Enjoy the show as always, and look forward to seeing you on next Wednesday in New York City. Just dishwashing, good naked or bad naked? Well, it's probably better than belt sanding or opening a pickle jar. <laughs> but I don't think it really 
falls into the realm of good naked. See, I, I feel like in real life, dishwashing is probably fine naked. Um, you know, there's uh, there's water and, and suds. I think that could be fine. But this, the act of survivor dishwashing involves a lot of bending. Um, and I would say that would be probably in the vicinity of the bad naked. Yeah, you kind of want to elongate your torso whenever possible when you're showing off your body. I was really surprised how much they went to uh, the bottomless Shireen on the 8 o'clock family hour on Survivor. Well, they're, again, they're all about equal opportunity. They showed a whole lot of bottomless Max and they thought, well, he's not the only guilty party. <laughs> like, I really felt like they went with like a lot of shots that were just framed of you know, Shireen's butt. Yeah. Well, I, I have to also posit this to you. Um, I can understand the impulse to want to be naked out there just because your clothes are really gross. It's probably very damp and sweaty out there. And you're going to have some chafing involved. Sure. So you might want to like air it all out. Yeah, I get it. I, I get it. I never did it on Survivor. Um, but you know, I understand, I think there's just the issue that we keep coming back to here is what are the, you know, social game consequences of all this? Yeah, it's true. I think it definitely helped Max's social game that he was seen as something of a trendsetter. Yes. And I, he should be thanking Shireen because now he's not the weird naked guy. He's like part of the weird naked duo. <laughs> yes. The uh, co-ed naked duo. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we'll see if this continues to be a theme. Maybe after the tribe swap, if you get like Max and Shireen and Jen and Haley, you could have like a whole like naked commune tribe. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe they move over to no collar beach and they take it literally. Yeah. Could we have a season potentially one day of like, like nudes versus never nudes versus prudes? Like, uh, is this like shirts versus skins versus blouses? Sure. I think it's hard to come up with three. It's hard to come up with three. Yeah, it is hard to come up with three, but you could certainly just frame it as shirts versus skins. Shirts versus skins. So you have a one tribe that are all nudists and they have no clothes. Like, what if it gets cold? Well, if it gets cold, they'll have to huddle together for warmth and, you know, maximizes the chance of something romantic happening. Whoa. Maybe. I don't know. Maximize. Indeed. Yes. All and right. then we do the tribe swap. <laughs> and Jeff Probst is like, drop your buffs and everything else. If you're a nudist uh, and you're in the buff, do you want to wear a buff? Um, you know, I have a buff and it doesn't cover very much. Yeah. Just put it around your head. The other move about the naked Max is that he's naked with shoes on. And that's a, a look you rarely see outside of the sporting adult events. film industry. Yes. And sporting events. Yes. Uh, let's go to Kel. Hi, Rob and Jessica. Kel Sherman here from Winnipeg, Manitoba. My question is regarding the season preview we saw last year, uh, but did not see this year. Uh, my question is, do you think if we were to see the season preview again, should we be worried? Would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Yes, there was no this season on Survivor this season. And there was in last season. 
And a lot of people felt like last season was not the highest point on Survivor. So in a future season, if we see this season on Survivor, should we have reason to worry? I think so. I think that says that even says in the specific episode in which you see the this season on Survivor promo. That says you can skip next week's episode because nothing cool happens. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. We can't cobble together 15 seconds worth of interesting material to tell you about next week. So we're just going to try to sell you on the season as a whole. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the second episode of Survivor San Juan del Sur. I do think it was the one where we did the live know-it-alls the last time. I think that was the episode two where Val ended up getting voted off. And there, mm, there was no, some... it was the wasn't it the rocker vote off that you guys did live? No, it was uh, it was Val because I remember okay. we did the Val exit interview. Okay, that day uh, or the next day. So uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember if there was anything that was particularly compelling about that episode. I mean, it was great when Val said that she had two idols. Yeah, I mean, that was okay. I thought it was a pretty transparent and terrible lie. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was exciting. Yeah, and you could have, you know, in Survivor previews gone by, like way back in the day, I remember they would take like every little thing and they would sell it to you as the most amazing thing that has ever happened on Survivor. Like going all the way back to season one here, the first episode after they voted someone onto the jury like they showed a promo and it said next week on Survivor, a contestant who got voted out is coming back. And they cut to a shot of Greg on the jury hmm. and they played it up like it was going to be amazing and shocking, dramatic. And it was just like freaking Greg sitting on the jury bench doing nothing. Yeah. And they could be doing that if they don't have anything interesting coming up. Pretend they have something interesting coming up. Like they should have framed that as Val's got something shocking to admit. And then it comes to her, I have two idols. And you all think, oh my God, what if she really does have two idols? So you would like to have more hyperbole in the previews? I think hyperbole certainly keeps up your interest, even when it turns out to be a colossal disappointment. You keep yearning for that next great thing to happen. And if you don't know when it's coming, and you get faked out a few times, I think I think it helps you be more excited. Nice I mean, you yearn. definitely have to have the delivery. Yes. But you can cry wolf one or two times, and I don't think it hurts. So you would like to have a preview, like every week you want the preview to be like, next time on Survivor, the most shocking thing. You, know, you basically are looking for The Bachelor of like, it's the most shocking rose ceremony ever next time. This, and just like just hype, 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 hype. I think we don't need constant hype. We need more hype, more hype, more hype. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like, you know, I like to see the coming attractions, but I've never like said, oh, I don't know if I should watch the show next week. What's the preview look like? Yeah. And I also I think it goes the other way, too. Like if they overhype something ridiculously, it's kind of a fun game to see where they pulled it from and why is it disappointing? Okay. Like I, because I can enjoy survivor ironically and non ironically, and I'm equally happy with both. You're okay with being disappointed by a very hypey promo because you want to see, Oh, Oh, I can't believe they did that. Yeah. Like I want to see how they stretch the story into something that they thought I might care about. Okay. Um, 
let's go ahead and let's take another voicemail. And this is from Bobby from Jersey. Here we go. Hey, Rob. Bobby from Jersey here. And no, it's not Antonio, I promise. Um, Anyway, calling about uh, our buddy Boston Rodney. Um, Coming into the game, I think we all sort of thought he was going to be somewhat of a disaster. Um, But I've actually been somewhat impressed with him so far. Seems like he may actually know what he's doing. Uh, I'm just not sure if uh, possibly Dan and Mike are just making it very easy for him right now. Uh, What do you think? we sleeping on uh, Boston Rodney at this point? Jess, are we sleeping on Boston Rodney? Uh, Boston Rodney is kind of, you know the saying in the land of the blind, the man with the one eye is king? Yes. I think that's kind of the Boston Rodney situation we're in right now. I think he's got he's got a knack for getting the girls on his side, which is great. And I think he's done a wonderful job of like playing a good social game so far. But the other two dudes on his team are pretty bad at everything. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have a whole lot of competition. Yeah. I think we're in order to declare Boston Rodney a good player or a bad player, we got to see him go in with some of the super fans. Like I want to see him after the tribe swap. Yeah. Cuz he feels like he's got first guy voted out of the swap/merge written all over him. I do think he's set up in a pretty good spot right here and I think that the blue tribe, the blue collar tribe, they are really going to be an interesting tribe to watch because I feel like you could see that tribe start to really like go in a lot of different directions because they are, you know, good challenge performers so far. And so they may not lose before the tribe swap. And then you have a couple of guys who are sort of on the outs in Dan and Mike, they could go in different directions. And it'll be interesting to see where Rodney and the women of the blue collar tribe go. I think it will be really, it'll be extra interesting if they get separated. Yeah. Because I could see, I could see Rodney being a big target, and I could see some of the some of the women kind of emerging as swing votes. Yeah, so we'll see, we'll see we'll see what's going to happen with the blue collar tribe. Yeah, but it's never forward. that simple. Like I don't think Rodney's not in a good position long term. He's in a good position short term. Let's talk about the vote that happened in last night's episode. Uh, of course, uh, taking out Vince. Let's look at it first from Will's point of view. Uh, this is Ryan from Northern Virginia. Hey, Rob. I had a question about Will. Last night, he voted out Vince, who is a strong member of their tribe, at least in challenges. Nina is someone who is perceived as weak, and she is conflicting with the other tribe mates. So does Will voting out Vince actually put him in the better position should they go to tribal council next episode love to hear your thoughts bye all right Jess let's talk about this decision to vote out Vince from Will's point of view did you like that move for him I I'm not sure that Will at that point could have done any better than third or fourth on any totem pole in that subgroup so I was okay with him getting rid of Vince yeah, Vince is weird. Nobody else really likes the guy. Um, at least this is what the editors are saying. But, you know, I, I think in his exit interview, he tried to undo some of that narrative, but I'm not sure he did himself any favors. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, he he likes to talk. Yeah, Boy, he, 
certainly he certainly had a lot to say. He did. He did. Um, let, let's talk through just Will's move and then we'll, we can get more into Vince. But okay. yeah, I think the more I think about it, the more I actually do like what Will ultimately did because one, he doesn't totally turn against, you know, the Joe, Jen and Haley group. Yeah, they might be mad that it's, you know, hey, how come you voted out Vince? We needed him. We wanted to we wanted to vote out Nina. But I have a feeling that these guys are going to be much more of the John Mish NBD school of thought. Like uh, if he's like, oh, like, will he actually do a Natalie and say, I thought I was supposed to vote for uh, vote for Vince, not Nina. Oh, my God, I'm so stupid. Um, Do you think he will just blatantly uh, do that? He can't rip that off because he didn't see it before he went on Survivor. But do you think that will be what he'll use? Or will he say, look, I heard that Vince was talking crap about me, so I wanted to take him out. Yeah, I think he could certainly spin it either way. And I think this also puts him in kind of an okay place with Nina when you think about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if if Will does not switch his vote last night, who would have gone home? Um, if Will didn't switch his vote, then it would have been Nina because it would have been a tie. Right. So Nina is still in the game and she's mostly still in the game because of Will's move. So she's probably going to be fairly happy with the guy. Yeah. And I think all Will has to do is play semi dumb because he clearly comes off as someone who doesn't understand the game very well. And he can just say, you know, I thought that was the plan all along. Yeah. Let me just confirm that, uh, that how the vote would go, because the vote ended up being, it was a three, two, one, three for Vince, two for Jen, one for, one for Nina, one for Nina. Okay. And it was supposed to be that of the, of Jen and Haley and Joe and Will, the guys were supposed to vote for Nina and the girls were going to vote for Vince. Yeah, because then if Will doesn't change his vote, he votes for Nina, and then it's a 2-2-2. Two, two, two. Uh, and then, so do we re-vote without Vince casting a vote without... Is that how that would right. go? they would re-vote. And- without Nina and without Jen. So then we would have a new vote, and the votes would be... We would have Will, we would have Haley, and we would have Joe vote. And then right. whatever Haley and Joe wanted to have happen... That's what would happen. Exactly. And I assume everybody would have just voted for Nina at that point and Nina would have been gone. Yeah. None of the three kids in the alliance can be too unhappy because their alliance is still intact and Will is willing to work with them. Yeah. Plus, plus Nina's got to be pretty happy with him because he basically just saved her ass. Yeah, but I think she's going to be a little annoyed. She, I I can't tell if Nina is making active moves or if she really has no clue how the game works because I know she is a longtime fan. She's yes. a member of the previously on Survivor group on Facebook. Yes, that's a prerequisite. Tw- You're a big fan. She has tweeted at you in the past asking questions about the podcast. Yes. So I don't think you watch the show this long without picking something up about it. So I can't imagine that everything she does is incredibly dumb and lacking in Mm self-awareness but i think she could have done a lot of things better this episode yeah the thing with will and asking about how he's feeling and which ends up leading to the whole thing uh with vince being uh, a target for will now again I i asked vince about this and he said that he was in complete lockstep with nina and he knew what she was doing um 
you know, it did seem like he got blindsided and it said he, he said he did have a conversation with Will. So I don't know what the disconnect was. Yeah, it seems like that might have been the editors trying to put together a story of something that didn't really happen. Yeah, but I don't understand. Like when he told me that he did have a conversation with Will, uh, but then also that he got blindsided. I don't really understand what the disconnect was. Yeah, I think it might not have been related to any concerns Vince may or may not have had about Will's health is okay. what I was trying to tell you there. All right, let's take a question from Zach about Vince. Hey, what's up, Rob? This is Zach, a.k.a. the Vietnamese kid in the woods. My question is, with RHAP up for two huge podcast awards, what two awards would you put Vince Fly up for? Thanks. Okay, uh, now he referred to himself as the... Uh, Vietnamese kid in the woods. Uh, do you know that reference, Jess? I don't, but he said he's the Vietnamese kid in the woods, so maybe it's just a self-reference. No, no. Uh, he's referring to, uh, he actually got name-checked in Vince's exit interview with me. Let me play a clip from Vince's exit interview with me. Okay. I feel like I just get a whole lot more than anyone else. Look into the eyes of Haley, she just looks scared. You know, she looks like uh, yeah, like a, a, a Vietnamese kid in the middle of the woods during the war. You, you're like, are, wow. are you okay? Can I get you anything? I mean, I, I look. Wow, right? What if? Yeah. What? What? That's is, such an oddly specific reference. Yeah, the, a Vietnamese kid in the middle of the woods during the war. That's what Haley. I, lo- that's what Haley looked like. Yeah. Well, I mean. I get what he's saying. She had a very expressive face. Like the entire tribal council, you could just watch. You knew what was going on just by watching her face. Yes. I want to play poker with her because I would clean up. Yeah, like a, a, a Vietnamese kid in the middle of the woods during the war. You, you're like, are, wow. are you okay? Can I get you anything? I mean, I, I look. <laughs> wow. Uh, Jess, that, that'd be quite a poker game. I It certainly would. Um, <laughs> and it, this hearing this now makes me so sad that we're not getting any more Vince. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, for Haley's sake, does she hope it would be a strip poker game? And you is know, Nina invited? <laughs> of course, Nina's invited. She's got to have the she's got to have the sports bra that says "Bring it across the boobs." Yes. Uh, if you go to a strip poker game with Haley, Jen, Max, Dawson, and Shireen, it's like uh, fold. Okay, I'm out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have Dan in there like oh I lost my danties <laughs> like no but you have a full house like no I'm out I'm out no <laughs> sorry uh, but yeah that being said yeah what that was an odd reference yeah that was that was very strange and now I don't even remember what Zach was asking the question was uh, what two awards should Vince be nominated for uh, much like in the same way that Rob's podcast is nominated for Best Entertainment Podcast and People's Choice Podcast of the Year at the Podcast Awards, which has daily voting from now through March 18th at podcastawards.com. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to call one of the awards he's up for the Benjamin Wade Memorial <laughs> Trophy for refreshingly naive <laughs> lack of self-awareness. Yes. Yes, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, and I would also nominate him for uh, longest hug of the year, longest embrace of the year. Yeah, and the prize for that is another hug. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, like a, a, a Vietnamese kid in the middle of the woods during the war. You, you're like, are, wow. are you okay? Can I get you anything? 
I mean, I, I look. <laughs> look. Look. <laughs> look. Vince. Yes. Yeah, uh, Vince uh, did not did not love the the edit, but you understand, uh, you know that that guy gives you a lot of material. He absolutely does. <laughs> he gives you a lot to work with. I, in fact, I'm happy that I got to recap this episode in particular because if I had waited till later in the season, I wouldn't have gotten to talk about Vince at all. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's take a question from uh, Scott, who is uh, feeling like we didn't get enough of Vince. This is Scott Cupack. Maybe it's recency bias, but I think that losing Vince has got to top the power rankings for gone too soon survivors. What do you think? Who leads the power rankings? Is it Zane? Is it Garrett? Is it Rob Sesternino? All right, the gone too soon survivor power rankings. And, and Scott, I got to be honest, I resent uh, being included on the gone too soon uh, list of survivor players. But, Rob, if you had. If you had stuck around for one tribal council longer in Amazon, you probably would have won. So I, I, would, so I would categorize that as gone too soon. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, if I would have stuck around for one more tribal council in the All-Stars, I might have won too. Maybe so. Probably not though, right? I mean, that was a pretty <laughs> stiff field of competition you had. Yeah, there. nobody's letting me get anywhere near that money. Um, anyway, so uh, Jess, all right, give me give me three people, like pre-merge people that were dying to see come back. Pre-merge people that were dying to see come back, and how far back can I go? I mean, I guess you can go back as far as you want. Okay. Well, hmm. yeah, we'll go back and forth. Don't give me three. I'll then then you have time to. Think. All right. All right. Give me your give me your one. Jatia. Jatia. Wow. We need Why? more Jatia. Why do you want Jatia back so bad? Because she's an agent of chaos and she made everything more interesting without being like seriously unhinged. Like mm-hmm. I would never say Brandon Hans in this role, but I could definitely like she was never going to seriously destroy anything. I should hope so. But she was she was entertaining. Oh, uh, Jess, I just realized that I moved and Jatia doesn't have my new address. Well, good. Then you don't have to worry about Asmat. Yes. Yes. Um, I will say my, give me from the same season and uh, from, I believe, back-to-back episodes they went out. Give me uh, Bryce Isaiah gone too soon. Oh. Oh, I love that kid. Yes. Yeah, that that's a good pick. That that's is a, good a solid pick. pick. That's a good pick. Um, all right. Who else? Who else is the gone too soon? Um, who else is gone too soon? Any Christie brothers? No Christie brothers. No Christie brothers. <laughs> No, um, but if we're talking about the previous season, I would like to see Val go further. Yeah, Val would have been good. That would She seemed like she really loved the show and she was happy to be there. And I think if she hadn't come up with that ridiculous lie and she hadn't gone to Exile Island, I think she would have she would have gone further. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like what about, you know, there's always so many fun people from the pre-merge game that you could bring back and uh, and it would be a lot of fun. Um, you know, I could come up with a bunch of people from from every season. There, there's a lot. Yeah, and I think a lot of times we don't remember, like people from the pre-merge seem forgettable, but if we had spent any time, any more time with them, we would probably like them an awful lot because you don't get on Survivor by being boring. Yes. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad you uh, ended with that because that's what my next question is about. People who don't get on Survivor for being boring. Hey, what's up? So 
as we get more and more fans cast onto Survivor, it seems like we get more and more people who want to make these big TV moments and want to be remembered as big characters. And I'm just wondering what you all think of this influx of people wanting to be big TV characters. How is that going to change or impact the game, if at all? Thanks. Bye. So, Jess, you know, we talk about, you know, do you have to make big moves? We talked about it on, on the Survivor Roundtable with Jeff Probst, big moves versus good moves. And we have all these people who go on the show now, is seemingly from this season, and hopefully this is a trend, people that are big fans of the show that end up on the show. But just do you think that the people that are the big fans are also the people that are the most prone to say, hey, I have to make a big move and I have because I, I have to be good TV. I think you have some element of people that are not playing to win, but they're playing to get asked back. Yes, And I could almost I could almost blame John Cochran for that. Um, but I think by and large, people that are big fans of the show just want to go on the show and they want to play the game. I don't know that they're looking. You've had very few people that just go on to be characters. Yeah. I'd like to sort of see like the graph here, because I think this is a thing where the people who are the biggest fans of the show also want to more so than they want to win the game. They want to be remembered. They want to be a big character. They want the airtime. And thus are more likely to make moves which are don't are not great strategic moves but are great tv moves uh and thus less likely to win the game what do you think of this jess well that's kind of a there's kind of a two-pronged motivation there um because you have people that like you want to make a big move so that you don't have to slink back to your friends in the fan group with your head held down because you were incredibly boring. Yes. And it's I think that the super fan would rather lose and be memorable. Yeah. Well, like look at, look at Spencer. I mean, I, I know that Max is in this position now where he has to go fairly far because if he doesn't, he can't look anybody in the eye again. Yeah. And it's almost like if you ask the person, ask the person who's the big fan of the show and ask yourself this. If you're listening to this podcast and want to be on survivor, would you rather win and be a person who is like, Oh, you know, worst winner, most boring winner. Um, would you, would you rather win, but you have the money, but there's no chance you'll ever come back. And all the people will talk about you like, Oh, no, no please don't bring that person back. They suck or go far don't win, but have people, you know, Oh, like, uh, I love that person. Bring them back. Or I hate that person that, but they were good TV. Um, I bet it's a a decision that takes you longer to think than you logically should. I think you have to strike a balance too, because you don't want to come out out of that game. Like sugar. Who went on on, this show. Yeah. Uh, maybe not the right person to be striking a balance with. Right. Um, there could be some imbalance. Yeah, slightly imbalanced. But, you know, she went on the show and she wanted to... Got a great further, edit. Yeah, she got a great edit. She wanted to be a TV star. And she Did wanted to further her Did you hear that she had career. dated the mentalist? I heard that. I think I read that in a tabloid. Yeah, it turns out to me nice. Yeah, it absolutely turned out to me nice. Um, 
but you don't want to go, you don't want to end up coming off as, um, you know, the fan reaction to sugar in latter day seasons of survivor. When we're thinking back, we're thinking of her as somebody that went into that game, not caring at all, whether she was seen as a good player or a bad player. She just wanted to be the person that was on the most. And that's something I think any fan of the show is going to be very careful about. Yeah, but it's not. I think that Sugar is a bad case study because she's not somebody who was a super fan of the show that went on the show to try to get, you know, dominate. No, she wasn't. But you also, a lot of times you can't tell who is a fan of the show just by, you know, checking their dossier. You can tell which people definitely aren't, but you don't want to go on the show and sacrifice looking like you know anything at all about the game in favor of appearing you know on screen the most yeah i really do think that we are headed into a new era of survivor where we that is filled of players who like sort of know what they're doing and want to like make moves to get them screen time and thus the show is good every week or almost every week because people want to always make a move that's going to be the best screen time, even though it may not always be the best strategic move, but players almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You have to make big moves to win the game with big moves, big moves, big moves. That's how you get TV. That's how people are talking about you. And I think that we may see a season if everybody is as big of a fan as they say they are, nobody will want to be boring. And I think we will see a lot of moves in this season and subsequent seasons. I think if that makes the show more watchable, then I think that's fantastic. Yeah. But I also, I don't want to see someone that I feel like should have won the game. If they did something a little more subtly, I think it's going to start looking pretty stupid if they're just making a move for the sake of making a move. Like, I don't find that elegant. Well, Jess, people want to be on TV. People want to make big moves. People want to get talked about on Survivor Know-It-Alls. I don't want to see a Johnny Fairplay dead grandma lie every single week, you know? Um, Well, I don't know. We'll see. I think this is going to be fun to see how this plays out. Yeah, I think it's an interesting experiment this season. It's certainly better than last season when half the people didn't even know what show they were on. Right. Right. And maybe there's a balance and maybe, you know, we're, you know, extrapolating too far into uh, where this is going. But I really do feel like the people who get on the show, the more people that are really big fans of of the show that get onto the show. And I don't think we'll ever see a season where 18 of the people are all big fans of the show, but the people that get onto the show. And again, much like all stars. And that's why I think it always works uh, with with the all stars. They also, you know, are like, oh, I got to make moves that are going to get me, you know, uh, screen time. And they know how this works. So I think that like just like in Heroes versus Villains, you had 20 people who all really knew the game. And there was just like explosive moves every single week because everybody knew how this works. I wonder if the more people that we get onto the show that are big fans of the show all understand how the sausage is made of what is going to get them attention, what's going to get them success after the show, and all trying to do this. I think it's just going to be craziness week after week after week. Yeah, I think that'll certainly be that'll certainly be fun to watch at least once. But I don't want the pendulum to swing back the other way where you realize that with all these people at each other's throats, you can just coast through and we get another like all stars one situation. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, 
I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing how this is my theory on how the, how things go from here on out. Yeah. Well, and like I said, it's definitely, it's definitely better to have a bunch of people that know how the game works than it is to have nobody knowing how the game works. Yeah. And even if you just have like, you know, half the people there really know how it works. It's sort of like they'll like the rising tide will lift all the boats. Everybody else has got to play catch up. And you know what I'd really love to see sometime? I would really love to see someone go into the show with no clue what it's about and prove to be this like idiot savant who has this intuitive grasp of how the game is supposed to work and kind of come out of nowhere to win. That could also be very satisfying. You want like a Fabio? Yeah, I want a Fabio, but like... You know, a more, because there weren't a lot of fans. There were a couple of fans in his season, but there weren't a lot of fans that really had a grasp on the game. But I want them to come in and, like, get it in a way that even the fans don't. Okay. Let's take another question. This is from Danny. Hola, Robbie Jess. This is Danny from Chile calling. I was wondering, what do you think about Rodney becoming Mike's junior deputy firewood bitch? Thank you. Bye. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was going to bring this up to you. I was going to say that between like people getting naked with very little provocation and people stockpiling firewood to huge heights, you must have been having some like PTSD flashbacks. (laughs) Um, I do think it was funny that we had a similar situation between uh, how, you know, Christy was treated by Jen and Heidi. And then also, you know, again, a, a, a pair of young, attractive women uh, mistreating the deaf tribe mate. Um, I did feel like that there was some, you know, uh, you know, some th- through line. I don't know what that is where, you know, two women become good friends on a tribe. They immediately have to like shun the deaf person. Yeah, that was, that was also pretty shocking. It yes. felt like I could have been watching Amazon all over again. Yes. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. And, uh, you know, I would love to, would love to uh, find out uh, Christie's take on uh, Nina's game. Yeah, that would be very interesting. I would love to. I would love for you to do a recap with her this season. Well, I have. I, I did a recap with Luke for Amazing Race, look, so I have it's doable. I have reached out, and it's under consideration. That's that's what I want to hear. Look, I I'll do whatever I can. I have said. Uh, do you want to do this? And we're thinking about it. Thinking oh about boy. it. Oh boy, that's that's all I wanted to hear. Okay, I do what I can. All right, are you? Let's get into uh, talking about uh, some of the other stuff going on in the world of social media and uh, with our other uh, survivors out there. Uh, Jess, you know we like to talk about which survivors are celebrating birthdays this week. I that is one of my favorite topics of okay. all time. It is. Um, so just first off, let's start off with a happy birthday this week to Pete bro. Whoa. Yes. Even though he, even though, uh, Abby Maria spoiled the episode for Nicole last night. So happy birthday to Pete bro. Well, that's fantastic. And how old is Pete bro? I was going to ask you that I have it in front of me. How old do you think Pete bro is? Um, I can't remember how, he, how old he was on the show. I feel like he was like mid twenties on the, when he was on. So I'd put him at like twenty nine. Twenty nine. Uh, yeah. you're a little high. Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Okay. Yes. Uh, another bro. Uh, Jason Siska. Prince. Siska. I heard he is. I heard he is like a god. Yes. Yes. Uh, 
I bet he's going to get a really nice present from Kathy Sleckman. Yes, his birthday is was on Wednesday night. Uh, do you know how old he is? You take a guess. He's in his 30s. He's about my age, isn't he? He's like 33, 34. No, you're way over. He's 30. Turn oh, 30. I think everybody's older than they are. Yes. All right. Ibrahim. Ibrahim also had a birthday. I went, do you remember Ibrahim? Ibrahim was an oolong, was he yes, not? Yes, he was. He was. I don't remember much about him. Um, he was like the... Good looking man, Ibrahim. He was like the last one voted out before Bobby John and Stephanie, yes, right? Yes, uh, His birthday was on Wednesday. Yeah, he's 38. Uh, and today, the day we're recording this, what a huge day in Survivor history. Three survivors are celebrating their birthday on the day we're recording this. First, um, a woman who knows a thing or two about making big moves, uh, Sierra Easton. Uh, Sierra Easton, just 26. Yeah, that I knew. Yes. Um, and how about this? Two, uh, two great survivors have their birthday today. Uh, first off, Pascal, Pappy. It's his birthday on Thursday that we're recording this. Uh, Pascal turns the big seven zero. Wow. He is the epitome of a man who seems like a 60 year old, not a 70 year old. <laughs> Indeed. Well, of course, that's the last time I've seen what he looked like. That was a decade ago. So that's about right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, happy birthday to Pappy and happy birthday. A huge Happy birthday to Jonathan Penner. Oh, my God. He's one of my all-time favorites. Happy birthday, Penner. For my birthday, could you could you at least not do that terrible impression <laughs> of me for my birthday for crying out loud? Yeah. Basically, he's a birthday boy. Yes, basically. Uh, yeah, he is a birthday boy. Uh, who Where are the good presents? Where are the bad presents? So happy birthday to uh, Jonathan Penner, one of the great guys from Survivor. And then uh, Friday, uh, Sabrina Thompson. Uh, it's her birthday as well. So happy birthday to Sabrina. All right. Let's get into talking about the social media, Jess. This is always a, a very fun part on the show. Are you ready to talk about social media? You know how much I love social media. Good. Tweets, baby tweets. Survivor tweets. The better than Dan searching for his man tees. Tweets. Yes. <laughs> oh, there's a new, there's a new little hook in there. Yes. It's like the Friday Night Knicks song that they play. They throw in a little bumper about whatever team they're playing. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Thank you to Ryan Elder for updating the <laughs> updating the tweets uh, song again this week. Musical genius of our time. Yeah, it's better than Dan looking for his man teeth. All right. So, yeah. Ideally, though, uh, you probably Dan would probably appreciate it if uh, we didn't rhyme tweets with uh, man teeth. Because it sounds it's a little like, bit of a slant rhyme. Yeah, it's because it probably it sounds like we're saying man teats. Yeah, well, he's got those too, but I don't think he has to look for them. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, here's Eliza. Got to start with Eliza. Uh, Eliza tweets. Oh man, Dan lost his underwear. Don't know if that's the best thing that could happen to us or the worst. Okay. Fair point. Fair. It's a very fair point. Okay. Uh, then she says, Mike. Take it easy, dude. Have some fun. Survivor is surviving, but it's also a hugely social game. Number one rule. Don't be a dick. Thank you. <laughs> number one. That's the number one rule. That's the EO rules. Yeah. Uh, my only question to Eliza, if the number one rule, dot, dot, dot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's go to uh, Van Eliza says, OMG, screw you, Vince. I was young once too, but now I'm 32. What the hell? 
Hashtag I'm 32 too. Uh, hashtag but not too old. I did not think that guy was 32. Yes. Okay. Um, Eliza also says, also saying I'm in the middle. I'm the glue that keeps it all together. Seems like a very bad sign. So much misdirection. Okay. So Eliza wasn't super critical uh, this week. That was a pretty light week for Eliza. She must have been in a good mood. Yes. Um, I actually have one more email that I want to play for you, Jess. Okay. Are you, okay. are you ready? So uh, I'm sorry. One more voicemail. I should say one more okay. voicemail, which is going to set up uh, this next segment on the tweet. So this is a from, late arrival. Yes. This is from Shannon. Hey Rob, this is Shannon from Sydney, Australia. This is less a question and more a suggestion for a segment I thought could be good for your guests. My brother and I play a game called real versus fake Rupert tweets, where one person makes up generic Rupert tweets and reads them alongside real ones. And the other person has to guess what is real and what is fake. It is surprisingly difficult. All tweets must, of course, be read in Rupert's Batman voice. Anyway, love the podcast and thanks for listening. All right. So thank you, Shannon, for giving us a new game to play here on the podcast. Uh, I'm going to give you three real Rupert tweets from last night, Jess. And I'm going to be terrible at this and game. And one fake Rupert tweet. Okay. Okay. All right. And you're going to read them like Cookie Monster. Yes. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Uh, uh, am I, is that Cookie Monster? Like, That's uh, the count. Yeah. Uh, the count is more like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. I, I don't know. Cookie Monster doesn't laugh he, a lot. He's very serious. Okay. He's very serious. All right. So here we go. Rupert tweet number one. Again, your job is to find the fake Rupert tweet. Three of these are real. Okay. Number one. They call it a blind side because you never see it coming. Okay, that's number one. Number two. Survivor brings out so many emotions. Okay. Okay. Uh, number three. I hope they come back with a challenge. They are my favorite part of the game. Okay. And okay. Number four. You can tell by the music when the game is over. Okay. Oh, that is that is difficult. Yeah. Uh, one time in my regular voice, uh, okay. they call it a blind side because you never see it coming. Uh, number two, Survivor brings out so many emotions. Number three, I hope they come back with a challenge. They're my favorite part of the game. And number four, you can tell by the music when the game is over. Talk us through, Jess, give us the thought process. Well, I want to give Rupert a little more credit than to define for us what a blind side is. Mm -hmm. But also the thing, I got to think that the thing where he's saying that the challenge is his favorite part, that just seems just inane enough that it is something he would say. (laughs) So I'm not totally sure. Run them by me one more time. Okay. Uh, number one, they call it a blind side because you never see it coming. Uh, number two, Survivor brings out so many emotions. Number that three, one is definitely real. That's that, You say that's definitely I real. I think that one is definitely real. Okay. Uh, number three, uh, I hope they come back with a challenge. They are my favorite part of the game. Uh, and number four, you can tell by the music when the game is over. I'm going to say that Rupert's meta commentary about the music doesn't seem very Rupert like. I'm going to say that's a fake one. Okay. Final answer? Final answer. I Sorry, am just that... as good at this as I am at Real Millionaire. 
Jess, that was a real tweet by Rupert. Uh, wow. Rupert did tweet. Uh, you can tell by the music when the game is over. So which is the fake tweet? Uh, he did tweet, Survivor brings out so many emotions. I was correct. Uh, he did also tweet, I hope they come back with a challenge. They are my favorite part of the game. He did not tweet last night. They call it a blindside because you never see it coming. Ah, oh, man, that was my first. That was my first impulse. Gotta always go thought, with your gut. Yeah, like I, I don't trust my gut. That's my problem. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, uh, Jess. I don't win a copy of the home game. You don't. Yeah. So the Rupert's tweet game uh, that could be a thing. So good job, thank you, Shannon, for coming up with that. You and your brother. I, I can I just say I'm loving all the Australian accents we're hearing on this on this episode. Yes, it's great. Very good. All right. So. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Russell Hans, uh, he tweeted uh, to Kelly Wentworth. Uh, hey, Kelly Wentworth, let's crash the next Survivor reunion. Um, and then uh, he, she said, uh, I like party crashing. Uh, he says, then you'll love me. Uh, and he said, uh, I don't get why so many people want to be super bossy. This shows me right here. This is not super fans. They would know number one thing. Relax. So again, that going back to the EO rules. Yeah, that is surprisingly good advice from Russell Hans. Yes, yes. So uh, also, uh, Russell says, uh, Vince says he would have taken them all out. LMAFO, that's a delusional MFA right there. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah. Well, and he should know delusional people when he sees them. Yes, yes. Here we go. Let's let's do some Lisey tweets, okay? All right, yeah. Yes. Uh Lisey tweeted, I love annoying fat man with no mantis. <laughs> well, she's got a whole song about mantis. Yeah. Uh she also She also tweeted, uh, oh man, deaf lady just effed everything up. <laughs> Hashtag dun dun dun. <laughs> yeah, very very insensitive of uh, of Lisi. I wouldn't expect any less out of Lisi. <laughs> yes, uh, I love annoying fat man with no manties. Where does Lisi get off calling Dan annoying? I I don't know. Dan is a national treasure. Yes, uh, and already, uh, if I gave you Lisi, then we have to give you uh, Bryce. Of course we do. Yeah. Bryce, uh, he tweeted, uh, Vince is a sensitive thug. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, then uh, he said, uh, also, uh, Dan, please hold on to your mantis. Yes. Yeah, you have I'm to. I'm getting conflicting messages here. <laughs> getting hold on to your mantis and I'm hearing in the background, give it to me all night. Yeah. And then also he said, uh, what type of glue do you use, Vince? Because it's not Elmer's. Hashtag it's, survivor. No shade, though. It's crazy glue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. L let's go to the current survivors. Uh, this is from uh, Joe Anglin. Okay. He tweets, uh, what happens when you suck at shooting balls and hoops? I'll tell you. Hashtag date with Jeff. That's that's astute. That's what happened. Yeah. And Joaquin, he's uh, he tweeted back his he's got a good Twitter handle. His handle is Wax World. Uh, J.O.A.Q.S. World. Uh, he says, swing by New York. I'll give you lessons. 
Party time. Excellent. Yes. Uh, that would be a fun sketch uh, for the podcast of uh, who would be the Garth on Walk's World? Well, I, I think I could see so rocking some of those big like hipster glasses. Yeah, it would be either so or uh, maybe he'll like make another friend. Uh, I could see Jen as a Garth. Maybe uh, if he sticks around this season. Yeah. Yeah. Jen yeah. would make an excellent Garth. Yes, I think so. All right. Uh, also, we had uh, Max Dawson. He tweeted, I'm watching this S in a crowded coffee shop. You have no idea how effed up this is. What would you do if you went into a Starbucks and saw Max Dawson drinking coffee, watching himself naked on TV? Yeah, I I don't think <laughs> I don't point. think I, I don't think there are words to describe how I'd feel about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to like, uh, you know, uh, that's that's uh that's probably odd. You know, you, yeah. Um then let's go to uh okay, Dan. Uh he tweeted uh <laughs> uh be grateful I only took my pants off. <laughs> yeah. Well, but he also took his shirt off. Yes. All right. So that's inaccurate. Yeah. And then also Mike Holloway, he tweeted to uh Missy, just too much fun tonight. Plus, Missy signed the flag. So apparently, all of these survivors had gotten together recently uh, this past weekend, and Missy just showed up. Roger that. Yes. Roger that. Yeah, she was there. So Mike, Missy is a big Mike supporter. They have a Texas mm-hmm. connection. And he's fond of the muffins as well. Yes, he definitely he definitely is. He's going to work hard and uh, fond of the muffins. All right, um, and uh, Jess, that's that's all I got. End of the line, huh? That's the end of all that I got. All right, so Jess, let's figure out a hashtag for this episode. Oh, there's right. so many to choose. So from. many to choose from. Uh, I did write down uh, Manti Ray. I think Manti Ray is the winner. Okay, let's go with let's go with that for the Manti Ray. And is it Y or is it I-E? I go I-E, right? M-A-N-T-I-E-R-A-Y. Like, well, what's the actual panty? Is that with a, is it with a well, Y, the but then it's I-E-S? Secret, on the Victoria's Secret website, panty has a Y when it's singular and an I-E-S when plural. Okay. So maybe it is M-A-N-T-Y-R-A-Y. Okay, let's do that then. <laughs> M-A-N-T-Y, Ray. Um it's a little bit of a bummer that this is the end of the line for the uh, d- the uh, Dante slash Manti storyline. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe he'll win a reward challenge next week and it's like a box of clean underwear. Maybe. We can only hope. Maybe he'll or wear could, them to the reunion. They, yeah, I'm sure he's got like several pairs. I think I imagine them hanging in a row in his closet. Yeah. Um, are you surprised that there is no Dan's Manti's uh, Twitter handle yet? I am surprised. Are we sure about that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, would it be would Dan's Manti or Dan's Manties? And uh, I think plural. At, at what time tomorrow does that Twitter profile get created? Um, I think. Well, what time is this going up? <laughs> this is going to go up on Thursday night. Okay. This will be by eight a.m. tomorrow. There will be a Dan's Manties. Eight a.m. Eight a.m. I'm taking the I'm taking the over on this. Wow. Okay. All right. Well. I can't wait to hear from Dan's Manties on Twitter. Yeah. I, I mean, I, or you could just, you know, Dante's. Dante's. Okay. But I think that would be probably less fun. 
That is, it's a little less fun. A little less fun. All right. Now, Jess, you and I will be back in touch tomorrow night uh, when we recap the latest episode of The Amazing Race. Yep. That yeah. is, that is correct. That's yeah. where we're going to be. And then we're going to hang out next week. And then we're going to hang out um, <laughs> in New York. Uh, can I just uh, real quick tell an anecdote of something that happened this week from the survivor world? Please do. Okay. So of course uh, we have on Rob We have uh, lots of survivor bloggers that post and go ahead and, and write up, you know, we have pretty much, uh, you know, five or six people that after the episode, they write their stories about the, not stories, but they, you know, give additional analysis and write blogs about the episodes. And uh, so this week, uh, one of the blogs that went up uh, was called uh, Lessons in Survivor History, The Curse of Saboga. And it was about how, you know, not repeating the mistakes made by the Saboga tribe. And so then the other day I went on Facebook and I saw like I, I had been tagged on Facebook by Jerry Manthe. And, and I, Jerry Manthe too. And Jerry right? Manthe too. So I went on my Facebook wall and I saw like a big post on my Facebook page uh, that says, uh, hey, at Rob Sisterdino. Uh, and she like used the like at reply of Facebook of Jerry Manthe and Jerry Manthe too here because she has two Facebook uh, pages said uh, just FYI Jenna was not the leader of Saboga. In fact, one of the major downfalls of Saboga was that no one was willing to stand up and be the leader because everyone was afraid to stick their neck out until Rupert again, so much Rupert love in this uh, podcast decided to take charge and build a shelter by digging a hole with two tons of tree trunks precariously stacked up for walls uh, and she like went, went on and on and on and uh, really uh, put me in my place about, about the blog. Well, it's nice to know that she's still paying attention. Yeah. She ends it with, I'm thinking that next time you need to dig into the past history of survivor, you may want to check in with someone who is actually on the season you're using as an example, just to make sure you get the facts straight. Just saying, how dare you, Jerry? Wait a minute. How dare you? Oh, that was some epic shade. Yeah, that was a burn. Yeah. Uh, you might want to put some cream on that burn, Rob. Yeah. Uh, and I responded, uh, whoa, Jerry Manthe and Jerry Manthe too. Why are we talking about this on Facebook and not on a podcast? I said, however, this post is written by one of my bloggers and not by me personally, even though uh, I didn't know exactly how things went down on Saboga. I had my own problems I was dealing with at that point in time. Because I was on that season. <laughs> I was on that season. She does uh, <laughs> later on uh, post in the thread. Uh, she said, uh, crack the whip on the intern, Rob Sister Nino. And also, uh, Jerry Manthe too weighed in and said, uh, and I mean on the tribe, not on the season, wink face. But I'm not sure. May, she might have meant on the season. That might have been. Wait, wait, Jerry Manthe and Jerry Manthe too commented separately? Um, I'm trying to see who left me the original, uh, the the first comment. Uh, because it, does she have two personalities? It, it looked like it looks like Jerry Manthe, the original, posted the thing on my Facebook wall. But Jerry Manthe, too, was leaving the comments. Is this like Smeagol and Gollum? <laughs> I'm not sure uh, exactly how they're because, yeah, Jerry Manthe, the original posted on my Facebook wall. But Jerry Manthe, too, left the comments. Interesting. Yeah, that is that's wild, right? I feel like I want some serial music behind that while we puzzle it out. <laughs> yes. Okay. So 
Um, and it could be like a two-faced thing. It's like the one, the, the original Jerry Manthe is the one that's like, like, you know, giving me the burn. But then the uh, Jerry Manthe two comes in and is like, uh, like, Oh, I didn't mean uh, I meant uh, on the tribe. It's sort of like a good cop, bad cop thing. Yeah. Like he says, like Smeagol and Gollum. <laughs> yeah. So boy, uh, Jerry Manthe is uh, not messing around. Apparently not. Yeah. So I've, I've instructed all of the, uh, the bloggers to uh, write exclusively about Jerry Manthe from here on out. And you know what? I'm going to do it too. Yes. I don't even write a blog about Survivor on your website yeah. and I'll work it into my Amazing Race blog. This, is, this was uh, you know, tougher criticism than the pizza place got that time. Yeah, it's true. I went back and read that. That was she was not pulling punches on that pizza place yeah, either, or on me. Yeah, well, that, oh, she that, tells it like it is. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't even me. That the I need to have all of the bloggers and their blogs with the views of this blog do not necessarily reflect the views of Rob Sisternino and or Rob as a podcast or Rob Sisternino too. I'm gonna I'm gonna add that to mine, but then I'm gonna say, but. They probably should because I'm usually right. Yeah. And, and, you know, not for any, since we're on the subject, Jess, then you have people like Keith and Whitney who don't want to come on the podcast because uh, they don't like uh, what you're saying. Yeah. Well, Keith and Whitney never listened to the podcast. I'm almost <laughs> sure of it. I think secondhand they got some accounts. bad secondhand Yes. Accounts. Yes. All right. So um, very funny stuff that, uh, again, from the wild and wacky world of Survivor and Rob as a podcast. This is back to back weeks where we had last week I had sugar, uh, you know, calling me out on Twitter for something. I don't even know what I did. Uh, Nice. And it turned out to be nice. Yeah. And then this week, Jerry is uh, coming after me on Facebook after stuff that people wrote in blogs on robiswebsite.com. So who will lash out at you next? (laughs) Oh, does it always have to be a woman? It doesn't always have to. It just has to be a Survivor alum from years gone by. Survivor alum. Do you want to do you want to pick? I want to. No, I just want to be surprised. Okay, we'll be we'll be surprised. Well, next week is the live know it all, so there could be a score of people. It could be happen in person. You it could, could be get in person shade. I could get in person shade. I could get a why didn't you invite me shade. So there's all sorts of different uh, things that could go down uh, this upcoming week. And I'm going to be there to witness it. Yes, yes. Uh, maybe somebody could like throw a drink in my face at the live show. You know, I could I could start recruiting. We'll go around and see if anybody wants to do that. Yes. Oh, that would be fantastic. All right. So, Jess, thank you so much for your outstanding work. Jess uh, works tirelessly on uh, all sorts of projects that we're doing. Uh, she podcasts The Amazing Race with me. She blogs about The Amazing Race. She also hosts podcasts about The Amazing Race on reality TV wrap ups, which is uh, very convenient on the Rob as a Podcast app. Or you can go to robasawebsite.com slash wrap ups. Uh, Jess, are you working on any amazing race interviews for this upcoming season? Yeah, I'm talking to quite a few teams from last season. So hopefully we're going to get a fair number of them. Okay, good, good. All right. So uh, that being said, uh, Jess, thank you so much. Can't wait to see you in person uh, this week at the live show. And I'll talk to you tomorrow night. All right. Thanks for having me on. All right. Take care, Jess. Bye. All right, everybody. There you have it. That was Jessica Lease back here on the podcast to talk about your voicemails and social media and all that good stuff that we did here on the podcast. So this is going to be a fun week coming up. Of course, I'm getting ready to head out for the show in New York. 
at the live know-it-alls. That's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to meet so many of you guys who are coming out to that and uh, getting together with a bunch of the New York survivors. Uh, of course, uh, the campaign season continues for podcast awards. Uh, greatly appreciate your support uh, with daily votes, as, lo- as long as you remember. And uh, to try to help you out, Nicole and I have been recording uh, a daily sort of mini fun size podcast. Uh, I've been calling them the Road to the Podcast Awards. Uh, somebody tweeted me today, said that that's a, that name is so dumb uh, in all caps. And uh, I like to think that it was just a Jeremy reference, but it might have just been, uh, you know, some some serious criticism of my idea for the name for for that, which admittedly is not the greatest thing we've ever come up with. But that being said, we've been doing one show a day. If you want to get your voicemails into that show, and that's what I've been doing on those shows is answering one voicemail a day. You can send in a question to Rob has a website dot com slash voicemail. We're answering uh, one question on those shows. Also, I just want to give a quick thanks to Mike Shaheen, who helped out so much with the social media segment this week. Usually that's uh, Taylor Cotter and Mark Solera, who do a great job on that. But Mike Shaheen uh, became part of that team this week. So greatly appreciate the job that those guys do week in and week out on Rob Has a Podcast. I told you that tomorrow we're going to talk with Jessica Lease about The Amazing Race. I have uh, a bonus podcast that I'm working on for you guys. I don't want to announce it yet because it's not in pen, but I think you'll be happy uh, if this comes together. So some working on something good for you guys uh, next week. Of course, you know what's going on with the Survivor Know-It-Alls. No live show on Wednesday night. But for the recap show, I will be uh, bringing you another treat. Somebody else from this uh, Survivor Kagiyan, which we talked about so much with Cass. And normally I don't like to do back-to-back seasons, but I will be in person talking with uh, your reigning Mr. Survivor and my reigning Mr. Survivor. Uh, Spencer Bledsoe, the young lad, will be my guest uh, in person next Thursday on the podcast. And then I think what we're going to do is I'm going to wait till I get back here to do the voicemails because it's such an undertaking to do all of the voicemails and involves a couple different computers. So it's very difficult for me to do that on the road. And uh, the other part of my trip is that my cousin is getting married. So it's going to be a very fast paced trip for me, uh, this New York trip. And then we'll be back real soon here in uh, to pick up the pace of everything else that's going on. And before we know it, Big Brother Canada and all this stuff, the one thing that is coming to an end is my recap of season three of House of Cards. We're about halfway through. If you want to check that out on post show recaps, uh, we are currently up to episode six uh, and episode seven will be up on Friday. So if you're following House of Cards, you can check that out on post show recaps, my podcast with Zach Brooks. All right. One other thing to let you guys know about before I end the show. Uh, most of the recording of this podcast, I did something kind of crazy. I've been documenting my recording of this podcast all the way back from when Survivor ended or when really when Survivor started was the start of my documenting. So I'm going to try to put together a YouTube video that's basically going to show you from start to finish what this process looks like for me behind the scenes. And I should have that video for you guys uh, by this weekend. And I really have no idea how it's going to turn out, but I've shot a lot of video over the last like 25, 26 hours and the final three or four hours it's going to take me to post this podcast. So I'll be interested to know what you guys think of that. Thanks so much for listening uh, to all of this rambling over these last three plus hours. 
I greatly appreciate it. It's uh, so much fun to get together with you guys every week. And I hope that uh, at least for some of you that the feeling is mutual. So have a fantastic weekend, uh, everybody. We'll be back with our next Survivor show uh, or part of the recap shows will be the know-it-alls on Wednesday night from Gotham Comedy Club. Can't wait to do it. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.